اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم حامیم تنظیم کتاب من اللہ العزیز العلیم غافل ذنب وقابل التوب شدید الاکام ذی التوض لا الہ الا هو علیہ المسیر ما یجادل فی آیات اللہ ان الذین کفروا فلا یغلولك تقلبهم فی البلاد صدق اللہ العظیم Verses we're in Surah Al-Mu'min, Surah number 14. Surah Al-Mu'min has been, as we mentioned, the uh, first surah of seven surahs that are going to begin with Hamim. And this was revealed, and all of these were revealed in Makkah Mukarramah. And some of the Mufassirin have called these surahs Arus al-Quran. Arus is plural, it means the bride of the Quran. It means those surahs where Allah Ta'ala has adorned with many different teachings. That only it's the only going to be the disbelievers who argue about the verses of Allah Subhanahu's revelation. And then Allah Subhanahu said in the Quran, and don't be fooled by their comings and goings. So the first thing that we realize here is that mujadilu comes from mujadila. Mujadila means two-way dialectic, means argue, dispute, polemics, debates. So anyone who wants to engage in arguments and polemics about the meaning of the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should reflect on this verse because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying in Quran that it's only the disbelievers who argue about them. How was this resolved? Well, in Ahl-Sunnah al-Jama'ah, the way this was resolved was that the view was that any interpretation of a verse that was made through a qualified scholar of tafsir and then gained the credence and acceptance of the wider scholarly community was viewed as valid. And any one person who has an isolated opinion where he goes against every single mufassir in the whole tradition, that was viewed as mujadala. So for example, many of Javed Ghamdi's isolated opinions would fall under the purview of this ayah that he has departed from 1400 years of Quranic scholarship and come up entirely with his own ideas and then disputes and argues with people on that basis. So Allah SWT says, no, that this is not something that believers do. This is something that unbelievers do. As far as those multiple interpretations that exist among Ahl-Sunnah and Jama'ah, so they basically had a philosophy which you would say in English, they agreed to disagree. When you have valid scholarly opinion, and to be valid it cannot be the position of just one person and his own fans and students, it has to be something that other scholars validate. It doesn't have to be unanimous consensus, but for a scholarly position to be valid, there have to be other scholars in the scholarly community who are not students of that person, who validate that. And that is not true for even a single one of Ramdi Sam's isolated and aberrant and deviant positions. There's no scholar in the entire Muslim world who has been able, he has been able to get to agree with him. Yes, he has his own students and fans and followers who blindly follow him. That's a separate thing, right? So that would not fall under valid scholarly opinion. Unfortunately, now you have yet another group. Sometimes they call themselves the Salafiyah or Al-Hadith or some other called They take the position that no, there can only be one position. So they're on the other extreme. They don't agree to disagree. They say that there cannot be multiple positions. Only one will be correct. 
and that one position that is correct we will call that according to sunnah and every other position we will say that is khilaf to sunnah so that is also not a correct way right? and you're going to see this concept is going to come up a little bit later as well now Allah Ta'ala mentioned that indeed before them the nation of Nuh was also rejected the truth and uh, as well as many many ahzab here it means many groups, many umams, many communities afterwards and then Allah Ta'ala is giving tasalli to Sayyidina Rasulullah this has happened many times and each and every single ummah Hammat means they resolved against their Nabi, they plotted against their Prophet, and so that, why? So that they could uh, seize them and they strove to nullify them. What? Bilbatil, they tried to nullify them, they tried to nullify the truth brought with the prophets with the falsehood that they believed. Then what Allah says, so they tried to fight with Batil, that which was brought with Haq. فَأَخَذْتُهُمْ Allah Ta'ala says, and then I seized them. فَكَيْفَ كَانَ إِقَابٌ And then look indeed how severe was my punishment. Wonder and how intense was my punishment after I seized them. So it means that these disputes take place on the basis of falsehood, trying to counter the truth. وَكَذَلَكَ حَقَّ كَلِمَةُ رَبِّكَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا And thus did the declaration and sentence of your Rabb has been passed against the disbelievers. What is that? أَنَّهُمْ أَصْحَابُ Indeed, they will be the companions and inmates of the fire of Jahannam. Verse number 7. أَلَّذِينَ يَحْمِلُونَ الْأَرْشَ وَمَنْ حَوْلَهُ يُسَبِّحُونَ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّهِمْ وَيُؤْمِنُونَ بِهِ That those angels, it means those who are carrying the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those who hold the throne and those who surround it. So here this eye is referring to the angels of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's a special group of angels who have been given this duty that they get to bear the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they get to do tawaf around the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so they are doing yusabbihuna bihamdi rabbihim they are glorifying the praises of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tasbih and hamd and iman but look at what is another thing that they do وَيَسْتَغْفِرُونَ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا and these angels are making istighfar for all of the people of iman it means that if a person becomes a person of Iman, and who would one need to make far for the sinners? So Allah Ta'ala is telling us in Quran, for the sinning believers, the sinning believers, just because of their Iman, those angels which some view have been given the greatest duty, after the angel Jibreel they are under the arsh, they are bearing the arsh, they are holding the arsh, they are surrounding the arsh, they are doing tawaf around the arsh, those angels are still remembering us. It shows you look at the, how much Allah Ta'ala has put compassion in the angels for the hearts of Mu'mineen. Today people do tawaf of Allah on earth and they're not able to make dua for the forgiveness of this ummah. They make dua for themselves, their dunya, their job, their career, ikar. The best of them may make dua for the deen of themselves and deen of their few family and friends and students. But the angels... When they are doing tawaf around the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they make istighfar for those who believe. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loved their dua so much that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put this dua, their words of the malaika in Quran al Kareem. So, what is this in the dua of angels? Rabbana wasi'at kulla shay'in rahmatan wa ilma. That they say, O oh, our Rabb, that your rahmah, your mercy, and your knowledge encompasses each and every single thing. 
What does it mean that you know what everyone is doing, you know what their sins are, you know the, why they did it, you know their false excuses, you know their weakness, you know all of that, but your mercy also encompasses everything that your knowledge encompasses. means there is nothing that you know other than that you are merciful for it. There is nothing that falls under your ilm other than you also send your rahmah upon it. So therefore, فَغْفِرْ لِلَّذِينَ تَابُوا so now it makes it clear, Allah Ta'ala described that they just they make dua for the believers. But which believers? What is in their dua? So the dua is not mutlaq for every believer. Their dua is what? فَغْفِرْ لِلَّذِينَ تَابُوا That Allah subhanahu ta'ala forgive those who make toba, who after they sin they have turned to you in repentance and renouncing that sin and they want to come to you on the path of deen and haq. So what it means here is that we must become people of Tawbah in order to get the angel's sins. And if we make a sin and make Tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we should feel that not only am I presenting my Tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of the malaika who are under and bearing and doing Tawaf on the arsh are also making dua for me. But I'm going to have to do something else also after my Tawbah. So the first characteristic is forgive those who make Tawbah. Second, وَاتَّبَعُوا سَبِيلَكَ and those who make toba, and then they follow your path, and then they follow your path. What does it mean that once they make toba and they leave sin, now they have to do ittiba of the sabil, now they have to follow the path. What does it mean they have to follow the amal of salih, they have to start following deen, sabil, right? And here it doesn't say follow just hadith or follow Quran, it's the whole the entire path that leads to Allah SWT, which is outlined in Quran, which is explained in Hadith, but which is lived by the people who are in Surat Al-Mustaqim, the path of the Nabiin, Siddiqeen, Shuhada, and Salihin. So it means that a person, not in addition to making Tawbah, they have to do Ittiba. When they say Pirvi Nikarna, Ittiba means Pirvi. You have to do Ittiba of the Sabil al Mu'mineen, and that's another ayah that Allah said in Quran. What to be sabila man anaba ilayya that you must follow the path of that person who has turned to me. So it means that a person after making toba is going to have to follow a path of amal isale, a path of deen, a path of ilm, a path of zikr that's going to connect them to Allah Subhanahu And this is another ishara that's the only way you can remain true on your toba if you do ittiba of such a sabil. And if you don't do ittiba of such a sabil, then you may end up breaking your toba. So then the angels are making dua for such people. And Allah Ta'ala is teaching us that these are the characteristics through which a person gets the duas of the angels who are holding and doing uh, tawaf around the arsh. وَقِهِمْ أَذَابِ الْجَحِيمِ And Allah Ta'ala and save them from the punishment of the, tor- of the inferno, of the blaze, any of the fire of Jahannam. Then, then the angels continue making dua. رَبَّنَا وَأَدْخِلُهُمْ جَنَّاتِ أَدْنِنِ that O our Rabb, that admit them and make them enter into those gardens of eternity, yani Jannah, those that you have promised them, because they are mu'mineen, and you have promised in Quran that Jannah is for the mu'mineen. So they are doing sifarish on the part of those mu'mineen tawabeen, those mu'mineen muttabi'een. وَمَنْ سَلَهَ مِنْ آبَائِهِمْ وَأَزْوَاجِهِمْ Allahu Akbar. The angels on the earth are making dua that the sinning mu'min who has made tawbah to you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and is following the path leading to you, admit them into Jannah, and all of their forefathers, man salaha, who does righteous a'mal, wa azwajuhum, and their spouses also who do righteous a'mal, wa zurriyatihim, and their children, progeny, descendants, who also do righteous a'mal, innaka antal azizul hakim. So what does this mean? So if a person is worried, 
that about my parents or about my spouse, my husband and wife or about my children, progeny, descendants so a person has to themselves make toba and follow the path then the angels will be making dua for our forefathers, parents, great-grandparents, ancestors our children, descendants, progeny and our spouses but the shart was what? وَمَنْ salaha. what does that mean? Now the Mufasirin have said that salaha means that Allah Ta'ala, the angels will only make this dua for that person who is a mu'min Otherwise, if a person is an unbeliever, then no matter who they are related to, they cannot enter into Jannah. And you've seen that in Quran, whether the son of Sayyidina Salam, whether the wife of Sayyidina Salam. So we're talking family members of Anbiya and Mursaleen, the father of Sayyidina Ibrahim Salam. So you have forefather, spouse, descendant examples of the Anbiya who will not make it into Jannah because they don't have Iman. So Man Salaha means at least they have Iman. And some have said Man Salaha means those who have righteous acts because Allah the, the angels could have said Waman Amana Min Abahim. They could have said that if it was just Iman that was Matlub. So they said Man Salaha. So those who have Iman and do some level of righteous deeds then this person's toba, the toba of a mu'min, will make the angels of the arsh make dua for their relatives who have iman and amal as-salih. But another thing this shows it's very important who one marries, right? Because the angels are going to make dua for the azawaj of such a mu'min. So it's very important that we marry a person, a person who did such a toba, a person who does true toba and then wants to follow the path, then the angels of the arsh will make dua for that person's husband or wife. So don't underestimate how important a decision is who we marry because the angels make dua on the arsh for the azwaj of the special mu'mineen. So why not we should try to become azwaj of such people who make true tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and who follow and adopt the path that leads to him. Then in another place in Quran al-Kareem Allah in Surah 52, Surah Tur, verse number 21. And those who have Iman, now here there's no mention of Amal Salih. And those who have Iman, and then their children and descendants and progeny who follow them in that Iman, we will join them with their um, children and progeny and descendants means we will join them together in uh, Jannah. What does that mean? So here in this ayah we realize that even just Iman may be sufficient when it comes to the children. Second, this word ittiba comes again so it's all about birvi. Third, when youth are today deceived and duped and deluded by the atheists that you're just following your parents in Iman, Allah SWT is saying is those children who do ittiba who follow them in Iman, and follow their parents in Iman, they will enter into Jannah along with their parents. So this is part of our deen. This, we should be grateful to Allah SWT if He blessed us to be born in a family of Iman, or in a lineage of Iman, or in an ancestral family of Mu'mineen, but we have to follow all of the teachings of that Iman. And again, the condition is again being mentioned that a person's progeny and descendants will only be admitted into Jannah if they possess Iman. 
Second is that some of the ulama in this verse, or in the verse 52, uh, surah 52, surah 52, verse 21, is that dhurriya is not confined to biological progeny. Some say it also means spiritual progeny. So it means that one's students will also be entered into jannat with the teachers if the students also have iman and follow them on that path of iman. So the Qur'an al-Kareem over and over is talking about ittiba, talking about iman, talking about what you get when you do ittiba. You get the angels, du'as of angels, by doing ittiba of that path. Then the angels continue in their du'a. The next thing is, إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْعَزِيزُ Hakim. This is what they're mentioning now. Normally, uh, you would see that we have seen before Al-Aziz, Al-Ghafur, or Al-Aziz Rahim, Al-Aziz Almighty, that he can't punish if he wants, but his Al-Rahim is all-merciful, he can forgive if he wants. Here, Al-Aziz Al-Hakim is that Allah Ta'ala's Almighty, and Al-Hakim, that he is all-wise, that Allah Ta'ala, you know best. This was the adab of the angels, right? That they were saying, Allah Ta'ala, you are all-wise, and you know best if you would wish to forgive them, but this is our dua for them. And then the next dua that they make is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save them from sayyat. What does that mean? From all evils, it can mean difficulties and trials in this world. Sayyat can also mean save them from committing sin. Protect them from doing evil deeds and committing sin. Yani keep them true under tawbah. وَمَنْ تَكِسَيَّعَاتِ يَوْمَ إِذِنْ فَقَدْ رَحِمْتَهُ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whomsoever mm, whom, on that day, there are two views of day. First, Yom then could mean day of judgment. If it means day of judgment, then you can translate it as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save them and whomsoever you save from evils on that day, it is going to be any day of judgment. It is because Fakad rahimtahu, it is because you have sent your rahmah and mercy on them. Wherever you shelter from and save from mercies, it's because you have showered your mercy on them. So if it means day of judgment, that's obviously uh, means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of the mercy will admit them into Jannah. Day can also mean Yoma idhin, can mean the day these angels make that dua, and maybe they make it every day. So what they're saying that Allah ta'ala on that day, this day that we're making dua, if you save any of the mu'mineen that we're making dua from, from sins, it would be just because of your mercy. And indeed that is from the great success. That is the greatest success and triumph for what? To be saved from sins on, on the day in this world or the greatest success will be that Allah Ta'ala waves their sins on the day of judgment and they're able to enter into Jannah. Alright? So this, that the angels make such dua for Mu'mineen and, and the angels of the Arsh shows how close the Mu'mineen are to Allah SWT that His beloved special angels make such dua to them. Indeed, it will be announced on, uh, yani on the Day of Judgment, it will be announced to the disbelievers. What will be announced to them? Uh, it will be declared, That Allah Ta'ala's dislike for you, even dislike is even the loathing, Allah Ta'ala's loathing for you, Allah Ta'ala's loathing for you is even more and greater than your loathing for your own selves. Now, loathing for your own selves can have two meanings here. One, it means that when the unbelievers realize that they are going to go to Jahannam, they will incriminate their own selves. Each one will have a self-loathing, means that they will hate themselves bitterly for what they have put them, their failures in this life and their inability to do iman and have a'mal as they will hate themselves. 
Second meaning of anfusukum can mean your loathing of one another, that you have loathing for each other. And this is something that has come several times in Quran already. Then the day of judgment they will keep arguing with one another, blaming one another, inviting Allah to double the punishment one another, multiply the punishment on one another. So anfusukum can also be your loathing for your own selves or your loathing for one another. Either way, Allah Ta'ala is saying in Quran, Allahu Akbar, Lamaktullahi Akbar. That Allah Ta'ala's loathing for you is even more than that. So it means that those who disbelieve, why? Allah Subhanahu Wa says, explains why. iman That when you were invited and called towards Iman, فَتَكْفُرُونَ You chose to disbelieve in it. And so Allah subhanahu loathing is intense for a person who does not accept iman when they have been invited towards it. Now for the unbeliever, this means that they were accepted to the belief in iman. And for the believer, it means when they were invited to kamal iman, true iman, to be true to their iman, to be loyal to their iman, to do a'mal of iman. Qalu rabbana amma... Okay, they will say to our Rabb, أَمَّتَنَ اثْنَتَيْنِ وَأَحْيَيْتَنَ اثْنَتَيْنِ that Allah Ta'ala, you caused us to die twice and you granted us life twice. What does this mean? You could translate this meaning more fancy. That Allah Ta'ala, you granted us non-existence twice and you granted us life from, you brought us to life from that non-existence twice. So what does that mean? So in the very beginning a person was masbuk bil adam as we say in Arabic. They were non-existent before you, your ruh was even created. So first you didn't exist. Then Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala created your ruh and then Created, had you conceived in your womb and then brought you out of that womb, gave you life. Then again, a second time, Allah Ta'ala brought you into non-existence by making you die in this world and you died. And then again, a second time, Allah Ta'ala brought you to life when He will resurrect us on the Day of Judgment. So this is meant by the two deaths. So literally, it's not death in the beginning, it's two non-existences. And twice did you bring us to life out of non-existence. So they accept him. So now we know you are our khalik originally. And you were the one who has resurrected us. Right? You were the one who had kept us as nothing and brought us from that. And you caused us to die in this world. So what will they say? فَاَتَّرَفْنَا بِذُنُوبِنَا That we admit and acknowledge and accept our sins. فَالْحَلْ إِلَىٰ خُرُوجٍ مِنْ سَبِيلٍ Is there any way out of this jahannam? Is there any way out? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell them ذَلِكُمْ That means that no, there is no way out. And why is that? ذَلِكُمْ بِأَنَّهُ إِذَا دُعِيَ اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ كَفَرْتُمْ And this is because that whenever you were invited to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that one single Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kafartum you chose to disbelieve and deny. Or you chose to disbelieve, deny and disobey. وَإِنْ يُشْرَكْ بِهِ تُؤْمِنُوا And in fact, whenever anything was ascribed to Allah SWT, any partners were ascribed to Him, you would believe in them? تُؤْمِنُوا You would believe in those idols and those partners? فَالْحُكْمُ لِلَّهِ الْعَلِيِّ الْكَبِيرِ And now know the decisive judgment is to Allah Ta'ala alone, Al-Ali, that Allah SWT is, is exalted, Al-Kabir, that Allah SWT who is tremendous and great. هُوَ الَّذِي يُرِيكُمْ آيَاتِهِ وَيُنَزِّلُ لَكُمْ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ رِزْقًا So now Allah Ta'ala, moving on to the next passage, verse 13 onwards. Generally Allah Ta'ala saying that Allah Subh'ala Ta'ala is that being who has shown to you His signs, right? And one of those signs that He sends down provision for you from the sky. 
However, But the only person who takes heed from these signs, and I've done this for you several times, that person who turns to Allah subhanahu wa penitently yearning, seeking. What does it mean? Right? So it's not, it's not akal that's going to enable a person to see the signs. It's not akal. It's not naked intellect. It's not rationality. It's inaba. So this ayah is very important for you to remember. That all of those questions, Allah asks a question. Afala ta'kilun, afala tatafakkarun. That do you not reflect on his signs, do you not intellectualize about those signs. But here's the answer. Who is going to be able to get heed and warning from those signs? Illa man yunib. So that person who has inabat illallah. That person who is yearning for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the asal attribute then is inaba, is not akal and tafakkur. Fadullaha mukhlasina al-huddin. Therefore you should make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sincerely and only and purely exclusively for Him in every aspect of your deen, in every aspect of your religion. You should be sincere in devotion and devout in worship to Him. Even if the disbelievers dislike that. And this is very important, right? This is another ayah for us, right? Even if the atheists are averse to us, the disbelievers don't like it. You have to do what you do on deen, khalisatan, mukhlis for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whatever is in deen, you have to do it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Irrespective of what the disbelievers, whether they don't like you as an individual, they don't like your outer, they don't like your inner, they don't like your appearance, they don't like your demeanor, they don't like your family, your society, your culture, your country, your nation, your laws. You have to do every single thing purely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, irrespective of what the disbelievers may feel about that. Right? Very important ayah in Qur'an al-Kanim, especially given that we're living in a time when so many mu'minin capitulate to the culture of the disbelievers, the fashion of the disbelievers, the music of the disbelievers, the way of the disbelievers, the policies of the disbelievers, the international laws of the disbelievers. No. We have to do everything purely for the sake of us. And this is Qur'an, Azim al-Sha'an, this is the hukum of al-Rahman. Rafi'ud darajat this can have two meanings. First meaning is Dhul Arsh, but first explain Dhul Arsh. Dhu is the being of. So Dhul Arsh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Arshwala. Allah ta'ala is the being of the Arsh. It can mean Allah ta'ala is the owner of the Arsh. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Lord of the throne. Alright. Dhu Arsh can also be translated as Rabbul Arsh, Lord of the throne. What does Rafi'ud Darajat mean? So the first meaning of this is that this is also Sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Dhul Arsh is his attribute. So Rafi'ud Darajat means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the exalter of ranks. The exalter of ranks. Sorry, the first way is that if you say it's a sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is beyond all ranks. Rafi'ud Darajat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself is beyond and exalted above all Darajat. The highest Darajat beyond the Darajat, he's transcendent beyond Darajat. If you take it as a sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Second is you can also take it as sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but not about himself is that, but as what he does, the Rafi'ud Darajat means the exalter of ranks. Understand? Either the possessor of the highest rank, which is above all ranks, beyond any and all ranks, or that being who himself raises people up and raises their Darajat. Okay. So either way of these two words can be said here. يُلْكِرْ رُوحَ مِنْ أَمْرِهِ عَلَى مَنْ يَشَاءُ مِنْ إِبَادِهِ Alright, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, literally it says here, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends his ruh, literally means he sends his spirit. So ruh here can mean, number one, it can mean Sayyidina Jabil al-Islam. 
Allah sent the angel Jibreel down out of his command to whomsoever he went from his ibad, from his from his creatures, from his human creatures, and those were the Anbiya that he selected. Second, Ruh can mean here Wahi, right? Ruh can mean here Wahi means scriptures of revelation. Again, that can mean the Anbiya. Ruh can also mean that Al- Hidayah, that Allah Spantel spends the spirit of guidance down to whomsoever he wills from his Ibad. So this is not Khas if you take it in that sense being Hidayah, that is not Khas with the, uh, not particular or exclusive to the Anbiya. لِيُنْذَرُ يَوْمَ التَّلَاقِ And so that they may either way, however, because the third one you're going to see here because of Surah Al-Mu'min, so you're going to see how non-Nabi, the whole Surah is named after this Mu'min is going to come shortly in this Surah, who is the believer from Alif Fir'aun, but he chooses to believe in Sayyidina Musa Islam, and he's going to say a lot of things to his people, right? And so what was, he's not a Nabi, so he didn't get angel Jibreel, so he didn't get Wahi, maybe he got that Ruh of Hidayah, and he uses that what, لِيُنْذِرُ يَوْمَ التَّلَاقِ So that he may warn people about the day, Talaq, Mulaqat, Liqa, it means the day of meeting, the day that they will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, you can say day of encounter also, the day they will meet or encounter Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yomahum Barizun, and this will be the day that they will be revealed and they will come forth uh, in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Kullu nafsim bima kasabat. Oh, sorry. The Barizun, they will come forth. La yakfa alallahi minhum shay. And nothing of theirs, no single deed, thought, feeling, nothing at all that they did will be hidden from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Niminal mulkul yom. To whom belongs the dominion and sovereignty and power on that day? Lillahi al-Wahid al-Qahar. It only belongs exclusively to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one and only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the all-powerful and omnipotent Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the rub between these two, is that on that day also Allah ta'ala will raise their darajat. Or on that day Allah ta'ala is beyond any darajat, they will be amazed to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <coughs> and al this is that day, that every single soul and self will be fully recompensed for each and everything that they did. And there will be no injustice whatsoever on that day. However, Allah SWT will be swift in reckoning. Swift in reckoning means on that day itself, Allah will be swift. Or it can also mean that this whole worldly life is just a second. So actually, Allah is swift doing the judgment on that day of judgment even in this world, even in this worldly life, if Allah had not manifested his power of judgment. Next now passes in verse 18 20 more about the day of judgment. Okay, one there whom you should warn those people. Warn people about that day of judgment. What is that day? Yom al-Azifa means the coming day. The day that is coming, the day that is Pending. <coughs> and what is the def- definition of the Idil Kulubu Ladil Hana Ladal This will be the day that the hearts will come up to the throats, the hearts will be in the throat Kazimin and a person will be choking on them. Literally Kazimin means swallowing, but means that they will be like as if they're swallowing their heart, means they will be choking on trying to swallow their hearts. 
And second thing about this day, And on that day, the unjust, the wrongdoers, the oppressors, they will not have any friend on that day. Nor will any interceder be obeyed, means no interceder, intercessor for them will be heeded. No intercessor will be heeded for them. Allah Ta'ala knows the deception and the fraud of the eyes. So khainatul a'yun means that Allah khainatul a'yun means that Allah sponsor knows even the slightest treachery and deception of the eyes. Even means the blink of an eye. So we can relate this to number one, obviously lowering the gaze, right? That when a person does khaina, so khiana is the opposite. Khain is a person who's khiana, it's opposite to amana. So these eyes were an amana, everything Allah subhanahu give us was an amana. Allah subhanahu saying here in Quran that He knows every slightest transgression, even the blink of an eye. So this is why we should be extremely careful about lowering the gaze. This is a proof that lowering the gaze is a literal command of Allah subhanahu And each and every single infraction, also you can say khaina, it's a treachery, it's a betrayal. Each and every treacherous infraction of just the blink of an eye, Allah Subhanahu knows it. So next time anybody asks you, people say that, you know, it's okay, I'm like your mother, I'm like your father. This was I to them. So no, I'm not your brother. Brother means I would be born from the womb of the same woman. I'm not your brother, you're not my sister. Why? Because you may view me as a brother and you may mean that in a nice way. But in the sense that you want to take it, that I should look at you physically, no. If yes, I can be your mu'min brother, your spiritual brother, I can help you, you can help me, we can make dua for one another, kind to one another, help one another's children, be colleagues, whatever. But if you're taking it at a physical level, even if it's just physically looking, Allah subhanahu has not made me your brother. In that sense, only Allah could determine who your brother is. You can't make me your brother, Right? If you want to make me your brother, give me a share in your inheritance. <laughs> right? If you want to make me your brother, make all the Islamic laws of a brother apply to me. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. Okay? So Allah Ta'ala knows this is Quran. This is Quran. So a person's own philosophy that no, I'm a modern, moderate, enlightened person, I'm a good person, I'm a civilized person. You'll have to answer to Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala knows each and every blink of the eye. And then even what you don't do, Allah percent tenth ayah, even if you lower your gaze and your eyes in treacherous, Allah Ta'ala knows the lust you feel in your breast anyway. Even if you lower your gaze, Allah Ta'ala knows Allah Ta'ala knows that lust you're hiding, you're looking as if you're all demure, you act as if you lower your gaze. Other people say, itna sharmila hai, itna ajiz hai, apne nazar ki hifaza karta hai. Hmm? Allah Ta'ala knows the lechery you have in your heart. Allah is ajeeb, Allah is great. Deen wants deep cleaning. Allah Ta'ala wants outwardly you should have taqwa and inwardly in your sudur, in your breast, in your heart you should have taqwa. And what it is that your breasts conceal, right? And sudur, you could even say heart, but literally sudur means breast, what your chest conceal. And of course, in our mashayikh, they say that because sadr contains everything, the sadr contains your qalb and your ruh and your sir and your khafi and your akhfa and your nafs, all of that is in your breast. It means Allah knows your entire button, what your heart desires, what your root desires, what your inner self desires, what your hidden self desires, what your hidden most self desires, what your nafs desires, everything that is in the bottom, everything that is in the southern, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows each and every single thing. Wallahu yakdi bil haq. 
and Allah Ta'ala would decide on that basis on absolute Allah Ta'ala will pass judgment and decree and judges by the haq absolutely truly and justly as far as those who you make dua and call upon besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they don't have the ability to determine anything they cannot determine anything past judgment anything in the Allah who is Samir basir indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all hearing is all seeing is all hearing is all seeing this is slightly then I that we've done before that do they not travel on this earth and see how those who were before them ended up indeed those people they were more powerful than they in strength and in strength and in terms of the landmarks and effects they left behind on the earth still Allah Ta'ala punished them on account for their sins and there was no one to protect them to shelter them against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so this is again right the ruins of the people that twice annually the mushrikeen in Makkah when they would go on their trade to Sham they would pass by it Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that don't reflect on that that's just all of this is because their messengers used to come to them with clear signs with clear and clarifying signs but but they disbelieved for Allah so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took them to task he sees them in Hukawiyun Shadidul Ikab indeed Allah subhanahu is all powerful and Allah subhanahu is severe in punishment. It means that no one can protect the Allah is telling the Mushrikeen that no one can protect you against him. Right? Okay. Then 23 onwards, some story of Sayyidina Musa Islam, and this a little bit is being mentioned to set the context for the Mu'min, after whom Surah Al-Mu'min is mentioned, again the believer of, um, that's coming in verse 28, the believer of uh, one of the people who from Al-Fir'un who believed. And we sent Sayyidina Musa Islam with our clear signs, was Sultanim Mubin and a clarifying authority to Fir'aun, to Haman, to Karun, Fakalu Sahirun Kadab, but they said that he is a magician, that he is a liar, right? So when Sayyidina Musa Islam came to them, now this is slightly new. So when Sayyidina Musa Islam came to them with a haq, with the truth from us, yani from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that what did Musa uh, what did Fir'aun and his people say? What did they say? Fir'aun and all of his advisors said, They kill all the sons of those who have believed along with him. Believed in him and believed along with him. So it means even from their own community, and the Lord from the Bani Israel who were now accepting him as a prophet, already they were killing all their sins, uh, sons, so now kill all the sons. This is the type of tyrannical people they were. Wastahyu nisa'uhum, but keep their women alive, right? Keep their women alive. So Allah says that no, the schemes and the plots of the atheist disbelievers were simply in error and were astray and they were not able to come to fruit. So what does this mean, right? This is saying that to stem the popularity of Musa salam, Fir'aun and his advisors want to have all the believers, male believers, killed. Right? And Allah says despite their plotting they weren't able to do so. But it shows you this is the way of tyrannical rulers. That any force of justice that will rise up against them, they want to stamp it out. They want to stamp out all the followers of that justice. They will order all of those people who want to institute justice on earth to be killed. Kill him and his entire movement. Right? It is coming, the Kiyamu Salaam is coming, the next ayah. Kill his entire movement. 
So even tyrannical people of today, if they if there's any movement which wants to establish haq and justice on this earth and decree that they should be killed through aerial bombing or some other way, it's a Fir'aunic legacy. It's a Fir'aunic legacy. And this is what Fir'aun said, Ajib, وَقَالَ فِرْعَوْنُ ذَرُنِي أَقْتُلْ مُوسَى And you leave it to me to kill Musa Islam. So he's ordering all the messengers, his viziers and his ministers and armies, that to kill all the sons of the people who believed in him, right? And leave it to me to kill Musa Islam. Allah Akbar. Look at Fir'aun, right? The level of arrogance that he has. So when Fir'aun, uh, and then the, the, his snide comment, and let him call for his Rabb. I mean, when I go after him to kill him, right? Let him call on his Rabb as he may to try to protect him from me for own when I go try to kill him. Allah Akbar Kamira. That the kumbar of Fir'aun is intense. Intense, right? And that's what some of these atheistic tyrants say today. That let's kill them, let them call on their God. We'll kill them from the sky. Right? And so, any, how could a mu'min support or a mu'min country allow their airspace? For such pharaonic activity, right? So then he goes, and now what does Fir'aun do? Now he shows his fear, and we will see this murder and tyranny and violence is born out of fear. Look at Fir'aun, inni akhafu akhafu. Indeed, I fear. He's insecure. It's his fear and insecurity that leads him wanting to do this killing. And what is it that he fears? Ayyubadiladinukum. That, that Sayyidina Musa will make all of you change your deen. And this is also proof that Fir'aun had made an entire deen. It's not just said, Anurabbukum al He said that I am your Rabb. He had made a whole deen. And this reminds me of the Mughal Emperor Akbar when he made his deen Akbar, deen Ilahi. And Allah Ta'ala sent the Musa alayhi salam, Sayyidina Imam. Rabbani Majal Faisani Sheikh Ahmad Asahindi Al Faruqi, descended from Sayyidina Umar Vidatanan with the Musavi power hmm? to refute him. Same thing over here. And and then, right, oh fil Ardin Fasad and this is the lies of the dictators. They really they want to kill because of their fear, but what do they say? No, they're spreading Deshagardi. I fear that they're spreading Fasad on earth. They're spreading sedition and corruption on earth. This is the Pharaonic lie that is used to justify their murder. So what does Sayyidina Musa Islam? He taught us. What does Sayyidina Musa He makes this dua, but it's a dua that we should make. وَقَالَ Musa. So Sayyidina Musa Islam said, إِنِّي أُلْتُ بِرَبِّي وَرَبِّكُمْ مِنْ كُلِّ مُتَكَمْبِرٍ لَا يُؤْمِنُ بِيَوْمِ الْحِسَابِ That I seek refuge in my Rabb. And you should know, Pharaoh and all of you people, that is also your Rabb. From what? مِنْ كُلِّ مُتَكَمْبِرٍ from every mutakabbir. So you see later in the end of Quran, min sharri hasidin, seek refuge in Allah from every hasid. Here you have seek refuge in Allah small from every mutakabbir. Because the takabbir of the mutakabbirin is deadly. It can, it's their inner fear and security that leads them sometimes to deadly violence and force. So we should seek refuge in Allah small from every such arrogant person. And who especially the arrogant atheist? La yu'minu biyom al-hisab Who does not believe on a day in which they will have to face the hisab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The day of reckoning We should also make dua to Allah ta'ala And we should also actively Protect ourselves from such mutakabbirin The question arises uh, that the commentator has mentioned Well, Fir'aun didn't kill him, right? Because at that moment in the court When Musa alayhi were presenting the signs in front of the siblings why didn't he kill him? Maybe the question, because Fir'aun could have easily 
killed him, at least, I mean, unless Allah Ta'ala sent some Ghaybi Mother Nusrat outwardly, apparently, Fir'aun could have done this. So why didn't he do this? Right? Now this is a question that nobody can answer definitively. Nobody can answer definitively. Some say that his advisors, some of the commentators say that his advisors told him uh, not to kill Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. That his advisors told him not to kill Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. Similarly, like the way people say today, that they will be martyred and then it will lead to a greater rebellion. And that more and more of the Bani Israel then, well, if you kill him, there will be more in rebellion and strife. Obviously, it was not the will of Allah subhanahu wa for it to happen, but certainly there was something that must have happened to Fir'aun at that moment, which for some reason he did not uh, you know, follow through on this. Second reason is that uh, this next incident is also going to be the reason why. And so now here comes Bakala Rajulun Mu'minun. And then came and spoke a believing man, Min Ali Fir'auna, means from the people of Fir'aun. So it wasn't from the people of Bani Israel, right? It was a Copt, it was a Kipti, from the people of Fir'aun who took Iman. So, this is a very important now passage, going to run several ayat up to verse number. Here it's going to run up to about verse number, somewhere in the 40s. So, it shows the power of Iman, this verse. Allah Ta'ala made a whole surah after this. And you're going to see this mu'min, this is what you're going to call mardi mu'min. Rajalun hmm? mu'min, that phrase that you have in Arabic, mardi mu'minana. It came from this. Mardi mu'min hai. And he's going to be as strong as a Nabi. He's going to be talking like a Nabi. He's going to be as brave as a Nabi. And this is an Ishaan and Allah made a whole surah because he loved what this mu'min said. He made his kalam and his speech part of Qur'an al-Kareem. Named a whole surah after that. So this ummah, because we are the original, we are the intended recipients of Qur'an, that we would know what it means to be a mu'min. How steadfast a mu'min should be. How much a mu'min should stand up for their deen. How much a nabi should, how much a mu'min should invite to what their nabi invited. Even if it is in front of a fir'aun. Today people say, no, how can I speak as my boss? It's this, it's that. They give excuses. Why don't they make du'a? They, they, they make da'wa. Look at this mu'min. Allah is teaching us in Quran that a mu'min is such that they will remain on haq and they do da'wa il al-haq. They will invite the haq even if it is in front of such a tyrannical force as Fir'aun. This is the whole purpose behind all of this. So what did this marde mu'min, this rajalun mu'minun say? Min <clears> al-Fir'aun who is from the people of Fir'aun and yaktumi imanuhu means prior to this he had concealed his belief. He concealed his iman. But now has come the time to speak out, right? So what it means is that when you are in front of a battle that is about to act in battle, such as killing Sayyidina Musa So at that point you have to speak out. You can be silent if the kufr, the atheist, the agnostic, the non-practicing believer isn't going to do anything evil. But if he's about to do something evil, he's planning something evil, you must at that point speak out. So what did he say? Are you going to kill a man because he says, My Rabb is Allah? And on top of that, And then he has come with clear proofs from your Rabb. Means he's come with that asa, he's come with those glowing hands. So some say that this is the reason why that Fir'aun did not kill Musa alayhi salam. 
And so this is the barakah of a believer, the barakah of the ikhlas of a mu'min, the iman of a mu'min, that he spoke on kalimat al-haq, and he was able to yes even his call, that's what we call jihad bil-lisan, to speak the truth, to use your tongue to uphold the truth, can even stop a tyrant like Fir'aun committing such a grave act of murder, killing Sayyidina Musa right? So if a person is not able to do jihad, in an active sense, at least a person should be able to jihad with their tongue, as this mu'min has done. Alright. So, that's the first thing he said. Second, This means, if he is lying, then his lies will only, his lie will come upon him. Means it will be to his own detriment. It would only harm him later. Right? Okay. But, but if he is truthful, then if he is telling the truth, then at least some, at least ba'ad, at least some of what he is warning you of will happen to you. You should be assured of that. So this is like what later on this fellow Pascal came up with the Pascal's wager. That okay, he's had this concept of faithlessness and faith, that if God exists, then I, I'll be in trouble, right? And if God doesn't exist, I won't be in trouble, so I can't take that chance. So Pascal's wager was that better to believe. So he's using a similar argument centuries before, millennia before, because it's not from the time of Quran, it's the time of Fir'aun. Even before he says from the time of Musa, millennia before, this is actually an argument that Mu'mineen would use on people, that you don't want to take that chance. Another meaning that if he's lying, his lie will be upon you means that okay, in this world he will be disgraced. If he's not true, it was Ishara, if he's not true, he's not going to be able to get followers. If he's not true, he will end up being disgraced because of his lies. Right? And yes, that is in all of history. Again, we tell you, every single false prophet was disgraced and passed out. Except this one fellow, Mirza Ghulam Qadiani, who still, for some reason, people are still stuck on him. Right? So, this is what he says. So, part of what he says. And then, what does he say? Mm. Indeed, Allah Ta'ala will not guide that person who is Musrif, who does Israf, who transgresses, Qadab, who is a terrible liar. So what is Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala saying here? Uh, what is this Mu'min saying here? What he's telling them is that, look, unless you repent of your ways, you won't get Hidayah. You won't get Hidayah. So first the Ishara was, look, he is true because he has brought miracles. He is true. And you are lying, and look, you won't get hidayah. Nothing's not going to happen, right? Because they chose to falsify, they chose to have a The Pharaoh's not going to get hidayah. These ministers won't get hidayah. Haman, Karun aren't going to get hidayah. All right. So now he continues. Now he addresses all of the people who are assembled there. Maybe he's addressing all of the community of Pharaoh. And indeed, then that who had adopted iman. What did he say? Ya qawmi inni akhafu alaykum. So Fir'aun was fearing that he will change your deen for you. I am also afraid for you. And what am I afraid for you? I am afraid for you that you may suffer on the day of judgment. You may suffer the punishment of the day of judgment. Right? And you may suffer like the plight and the state of the people of Nuh when they suffered or like the way the people of Ad and Thamud were suffered and those who came after them. But then he tells them that look, become Allah Ta'ala's ibad. Allah Ta'ala does not want to do an injustice to any of his ibad. 
Then again he fears for them. وَيَقَوْمِ إِنِّي أَخَافُ عَلَيْكُمْ يَوْمَ التَّنَادِ That indeed, my people, I fear for you the day of Tanad. Abna Tanad is from Bab al-Tafa'ul, from Nida. It means the day of mutual calling. The day of calling, what does that mean? Right, so people will call one another the day of mutual calling. People call one another can also, but I'll explain that in a moment what that means. Yoma. Uh, Mudbirin, and this will be the day that you will turn back on your and flee, right? min min asim, and there will be no one to protect you from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. and whomsoever Allah lets them go astray, leaves astray, they will have no guide whatsoever. So what does this mean? The day that people will call one another. So first of all, the first call will be the first trump- the trumpet. And the second time the trumpet is blown will be the first call when people will be called. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, has also referred to this. We did this earlier, that this will be the day that people will be. We did in Surah Araf that people will be called out to come to read their hisab and the record. And also it's the day when uh, a caller will call and people will people will be summoned by the names of their leaders. Allah said, the day when we call, the day we shall call every person by their imam. Right? So this means that people will call one another. Uh, and this establishes... Okay, so this is the day when people will call one another and this will be the day when the Anbiya will call people to them. People will be calling one another. The leaders of people will call them to one another. So he's worried. But at the end when eventually he loses hope so the Mufassirun say that the people weren't responding to his discourse. So then at the end he said, well, If Allah is letting you go astray then there's no one who can guide you. So he is expressing his distress and dismay when he realizes that they're not listening. Then he mentions to them, this is continuing verse 34, his statement that he mentions to them the story of Sayyidina Yusuf Why? Because you would remember when we did Surah Yusuf last year, that Surah Yusuf was also from Misr, right? And Surah Yusuf was unsettled in Misr, Egypt, where Pharaoh is from. So they had memory of this they had a memory, uh, the Aleph, the people of Pharaoh had a memory of Sayyidina Yusuf al Kablu Bil Bainat and indeed Sayyidina Yusuf had come to you before with clear proofs. He had also brought clear proofs. But what happened? Fama ziltum fi shakim mimma ja'akum bihi. But you always remained, you never ever stopped doubting what he brought to you. Right? And so this is a major thing. It shows that a person's doubts. If they never can get rid of their doubts, it will make them mahroom of iman. So their constant doubting of Sayyidina Yusuf was something that was preventing them from taking iman in Sayyidina Musa Hatta idha halaka. Until uh, that time came when he passed away, Kultum min rasula. And then you used to say that Allah Ta'ala will never ever send another messenger after him. This was their belief that he was the last, this is 
people, they thought Sayyidina Yusuf was the last prophet, right? So when he was alive, you kept doubting him, but when he passed away, all of a sudden you testified to his prophethood and messengerhood, and now then you closed yourself off to Sayyidina Musa and thus it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lets stray that Allah ta'ala leaves the musrifun murtab and you can say the musrif is the one who transgresses murtab is the one who is always in raib right babi iftial always in a, uh, yes babi is always in raib right and means skeptic you can say this thus that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leaves that person who transgresses, so it means they're immoral. Thus does Allah Ta'ala leave astray the immoral skeptic. Alright. I told you this again, that those who dispute about the verses of revelation of Allah Ta'ala, sultan, without any proof that has come to them, without any sultan, without any dalil, Kabura maktan in the law. That this is extremely, Allah loathes this and extremely, right? This is extremely deeply detestable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa in the ladina amanu. And it's extremely detestable to those who have iman. So, yes, the people who have iman, they will find it extremely loathing and detestable if someone tries to dispute about the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without any basis, with knowledge, without any sound proof, without any sultan. So, this is the Quranic. Proof of that. Surah, Surah Al-Mu'min, Surah, Surah 40, verse 35. So some of these people try to say that, no, no, if you go to ulama and tell them what I say, they'll get very upset. Right? Yes, they should get upset. Everyone who is a mu'min, every alladhina amanu, in the alladhina amanu, in the eyes and regard of those who believe, they find you're disputing about Allah Ta'ala's verses detestable. Right? And thus does Allah Subhanahu set a seal on the heart, on every single heart of every mutakabbir jabbar, everyone who is arrogant and prideful and haughty, jabbar, and then is an overbearing tyrant who uses that arrogance and an axe in unlawful and unjust use of force and brings overbearing force in their tyranny. And obviously, this is including for all. So this is the end of the first conversation. Now, for all, for all, this is all this. And then what he says, "Wakala for all, ya Haman, oh Haman, you should, ya Haman ubnili sarhan la ali ablughul asbab." That oh Haman, build a tall, the fancy word you could use is parapet which means a tower which is on a castle, right? That would be the strictly, but a tall parapet, a tower from which I can peer, which means literally when I can reach the means of access, means I can peek from the parapet towards the asbab uh, as-samawat, so I can reach the asbab, which asbab, asbab as-samawat, the paths and the means of access to the heavens, musa, so that I can go and see and have a look and be informed about the God of Sayyidina Musa But indeed I strongly believe, in, though, though I think and believe that he is a liar, though I think and believe that he is a liar, so again I discussed with you that the commentators differ about whether this actually happened, whether this is a purely sarcastic statement, or whether actually he's so foolish that Haman actually built a parapet, a tower which you ascend to look and peer out from, and he tried to do this. 
خیر ذکرہ Which doesn't mean follow him in separate to the Anbiya. This also tells you, proof in the Qur'an, that Mu'mayn will tell you to do ittiba of them. As long as those Mu'mayn are following, Haq. Kabhi sayin hume kisi ki pervi ne karta, kisi nabi ki sirf rasulasam ki pervi karta. Qur'an is establishing ittiba. Ittiba and Mu'mayn who are doing da'wah towards Haq. They have to tell people to follow them. They have to invite them to follow them. So what did he say? Right? He said, Ya qawmitta bi'uni That all my people do ittiba of me. Follow me. Why? Because ahadikum. Not for my own glory, for my own... No. Why? So that ahadikum, so that I may guide you sabeel al-rashad against sabeel. I'm going to guide you to a path of rashad, which is like a rushd, which means guidance. So I may lead you, so I may guide you to the sabeel, to the path and the ways of guidance. It's so very important here. Quran al-Karim establishes that mu'mineen are also guides. And if we find a mu'min guide, we should do ittiba of that mu'min guide. This is the Quranic method. Ya qawmi innama hadihi al-hayat al-dunya mata' That all oh my people look to what's the first thing, what's the first hidayah he gives them. Because he knows that why are people reluctant to call? Or why are people reluctant to respond to that call? Because they're caught up in the life of this world. They're caught up in the materialism. They're caught up in their dunya. So what does he tell them? That, oh my God, oh my people, إِنَّمَا هَذِهِ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَ مَتَعَ That the life of this world is just a trivial gain. It's just a trifle. It's just petty stuff. It's nothing more than that. However, وَإِنَّ الْآخِرَةَ هِيَ دَارُ الْقَرَارِ But indeed, the Akhirah, that is a real Darul Qarar. I mean, you know, it's a real place to live. It's a place to permanently live. It's a per- place to permanently settle. It's a real place that you would want to settle your life in the Akhirah. Then he says of Man Amala Sayyidan that whomsoever commits any sin or evil, and they will not be punished except for just it itself, just for the likeness that will not be punished, but by its like. Whoever does a righteous act, act of virtue, good deed, whether from a male or a female, and they are in such a state, that they are in a state of iman when they did that righteous action, that such people will then enter into Jannah, and... Uh, and Allah Ta'ala will give them provision and sustain them therein in that Jannah without Hisab beyond any account and reckoning. That what is it, what 
for what reason, what is the matter with me? Literally, what is the matter with me? But for what reason, for what purpose do I call you? Uh, I'm calling you towards salvation. And you are inviting me towards the fire of Jahannam. Because they were calling him, You were asking me to disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to ascribe partners to him. Of which I have no ilm. It means literally of which I have no knowledge thereof. Which means I have no basis of knowledge thereof. To disbelieve in Allah ta'ala. You haven't given, there's no basis for atheism. There's no ilm for that. There's no basis for shirk. There's no ilm for that. But me, I'm inviting you to such an Allah SWT who is Al-Aziz, who is Almighty, and who is Al-Ghaffar, who is all-forgiving. Then he continues to them refuting their shirk that... Uh, لا جنما أنما تدعونني إليه and there is no doubt whatsoever that those to whom you were inviting me towards and there's such an idol that you're inviting me towards ليس له دعوة في الدنيا ولا في الآخرة that they have no claim in this world and in the آخرة they have not worthy of any prayer in this world and in the آخرة they're not worth calling and making dua upon whether in this world nor will you be able to call upon them in the آخرة and that indeed each and every one of us will return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and those who did israf, who are the transgressors, indeed they will be the inmates and the companions of the fire. So therefore then at that point, soon you will then remember this what I have said to you. As another famous sentence, this is what the mu'min does after they speak on the haq, after they make dawat al-haq and the people refuse. So what do they do? وَأُفَوِّزُ amri إِلَاللَّهِ And now I surrender all of my affairs and matters to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. إِنَّ اللَّهَ بَسِيرٌ بِالْإِبَادِ And indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ever watchful over His uh, servants and slaves. Alright? فَوَقَاهُ اللَّهُ سَيِّعَاتِ مَا مَكَرُوا وَحَاكَ بِعَالِ فِرْعَوْنَ سُوءُ الْأَذَابِ So Allah Ta'ala preserved him and saved him from what they plotted. So the commentators say that after he had said all this and Fir'aun ordered his ministers and armies to kill him and beyond that there's many versions of what happened to him that exist in the Israelites but nothing again we can say authoritatively but either way Allah Ta'ala saved this mu'min from the plots that they made, but instead a terrible punishment and the worst of punishments enveloped and was inflicted onto the people of Fir'aun that you know when they all drowned in the sea that we've done earlier. So this ayah is telling that look when the moment speaks out, Allah Ta'ala will protect him. Allah Ta'ala is all watching. Allah Ta'ala is all knowing. And if they submit themselves entirely to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, whomsoever trusts and relies on Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will always be sufficient for him as he said elsewhere in the Quran. And then the fi- they will be present the fire and they will be presented and exposed to that fire morning and evening. Talking about the punishment of the people of Fir'aun. And on that day when the hour is established, when time stops at the day of the moment, the final moment, then what will happen? 
Then Allah Ta'ala says that the people of Fir'aun will be entered to the most intense ashad al-adhab, into the worst and most intense of punishments. And what will they do therein? So, Yes, verse 47. وَيَتَهَاجُونَ فِي النَّارِ And they will try to put hujja versus hujja versus one another. means they will dispute. They will dialectically dispute with one another, debate with one another. And فَيَكُولُوا And so those who were weak and they were powerless, they will say to those who had takabbur and who were haughty and arrogant, إِنَّا كُنَّ لُكُمْ تَبْعَنْ Indeed, we were just following you. فَهَلْ أَنْتُمْ مُغْنُونَ عَنَّا نَسِيبًا مِّنَ النَّارِ So therefore we were just, we were just following you, so you should, shouldn't you remove part of the fire for us? Can't you remove a portion from the fire of us? So, those قَلَّذِينَ اسْتَكْبَرُوا Those who were arrogant and haughty, what will they say? إِنَّا كُلٌّ فِيهَا That no, we are all in this together. <laughs> we are all in this together. There's no way that you are getting out because you are followers and we're going to be stuck because we're leaders or there's no we're going to take a greater share of the fire right uh, that we can take a greater part of that punishment because we were the leaders and you will take a lesser part of that punishment because you are followers no that we are all in it mm, we're all in it in the hakama ibad and indeed Allah Ta'ala has passed judgment between his creatures between his mortal creatures and then those who are in uh, the inhabitants of Jahannam, they will say, لِخَزَنَةِ Jahannama To the keepers, or the gatekeepers, or the keepers of the keys, to the keepers of the keys to the gates of Jahannam, أُدْعُوا رَبَّكُمْ That you should make dua to your Rabb. يُخَفِّفْ أَنَّ يَوْمٍ مِنَ الْأَذَابِ That he should lessen this punishment for us. Uh, on this day, there should be some lessening of punishment for us. So, قَالُوا So then the keepers of the uh, keys to uh, the gates of Jahannam, Right? And again, so here, Yoman, on this day, it also can mean Yoman, Anna Yoman, that just one day, give us one day respite. We're here for eternity. Make the wall for the rub just one day, not that for just one day we don't have uh, that punishment. To call us, so how will they respond? Awalam ta'tikum rusulukum bin bayyinat that did not Anbiya, Mursaleen, did not Prophets and Messengers, did not come to you with clear proofs and clarifying signs. Kalu Bala, they will say yes. Kalu Fadu'u. So then the keepers of the keys of the gates will send, then you should keep making dua, keep praying. But the prayers and supplications of the disbelievers in Jannah will be just be dalal, will just be lost and astray, will go nowhere, will be fluff, will end up in nothing. Alright? So here this is another intense, many Allah Ta'ala's intense descriptions of the people in Jahannam. And they're sometimes blaming one another, sometimes asking one another for help, sometimes asking the gatekeepers for help, sometimes asking Allah Ta'ala for help. It will be a state of pandemonium, a state of chaos for them, a state of desperation for them, a state of utter and unending torment for them. So this is why we should never think that if we don't follow deen, we'll just have a small loss. Because these ayahs are actually in Quran being addressed to us, Mu'mineen in Surah Al-Mu'min that if you don't follow deen fully you will end up in utter and absolute loss you will utter in irretrievable loss you can end up in devastating loss 
that is the sense that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives Jannah. This is the Khusr and the Khasrin with the, end, the notion of Dos. Then Allah ta'ala in verse 40, 51 onwards, Inna lanamsalu rusulana that indeed we will certainly help our anbiya and mursaleen walladhina amanu and we will certainly definitely send our nusrat and madad and help on those who have iman fil hayat dunya in this world wa yawma yakumul ashad as well as the day when the witnesses will stand and testify so this ayah makes it clear that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help and madad nusrat ultimately doesn't mean you will never have any difficulty, any trial, any test, you will have it. But if a person is firm on their iman, how firm the look up where Allah Ta'ala joined it to? Lanansuru Rusulana Walladina Amanu. So you can just look at the Anbiya how Allah Ta'ala helped them. Every Nabi was ultimately triumphant, ultimately victorious, ultimately had a good ending. Whether Allah Ta'ala helped the earlier Anbiya, such as Nuh Islam and Saleh Islam by punishing their communities, or the way Allah Ta'ala helped Sayyidina Rasulullah which is our Nabi, and that's the Sunnah for our Ummah, that in the case of our Ummah, we will be met with our Nabi, the way Allah Ta'ala helped our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi with Fatih, Fatih Makkah and Futuhat and victory and ease and establishing Amman in its Minan on earth so that Allah Dina Amanu will be helped by Allah Subhanahu in the same way ultimately that the help with Allah Ta'ala will come with ultimate victory and establishing Amman and Minan on earth if they true and we can truly become of the Allah Dina Amanu. And there will be a day that the wrongdoers, their ma'adhirat, their excuses will not benefit the sinners. Their justifications will not let them off the hook. Zalameen doesn't just mean kuffar or mushrikeen or munafikeen. Zalameen is wrongdoers, sinners of any shape or stripe, believing or non-believing. And they will, Allah Ta'ala says, they will be cursed, they will be removed from the mercy of Allah Ta'ala, those of the disbelieving Zalamin. And they will be given the worst of abodes, they will end up in the worst of settlements. Right? So Allah Ta'ala's madad is certain, there may be a delay in it, there may be a way in it, it may come to us in a way that we didn't expect, but Allah Ta'ala's help is certain. Indeed, we gave Sayyidina Musa hidayah, guidance. We sent upon Sayyidina Musa hidayah and we gave him the kitab, the scripture, and the book. No, we gave the Bani Israel, we gave them the scripture and the book. Means they were warith, they were legatees, means they still have that Torah all the way up to the time of Quran, Sayyidina Rasulullah. And in that Torah there is Hidayah for them, and one of those Hidayat was the coming of the last and final Prophet and Messenger. But is a Hudawm wa Dhikran the Ul al Bab. It is a book of guidance and reminder for those who are of soft perception and of sensitive insight. Alright? Fasbir, therefore you should have patience. Inna wa'dallahi haqqun That indeed the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always true. Wastaghfir li dhambika And then you should seek forgiveness for your errors. Wastabbih bihamdi rabbika bil ashiyya wal ibkar And you should do the tasbih and hamd. You should glorify the praises of your Rabb bil ashiyya wal ibkar in the morning and the evening. And you can also say in the... Hmm. In the evening and the morning. Indeed, those who dispute about the verses of Allah without any proof and authority. Again, I told this to come several times already. Right? 
without any proof that has come to them. What does that mean? So that means your basis of understanding Qur'an has to be based on a proof. A proof that has either come to you from elsewhere in Qur'an, a proof that has come to you from Sayyidina Rasulullah, or a proof that has come to you through some valid source, cannot be on the basis of mere conjecture, personal opinion, maslaha, darura. We cannot argue a position on Qur'an on that basis. And there is nothing in their breast except for arrogance. There's only pride in their breast. They just have kibr. They're not arguing on the basis of ilm or latest research and analysis. It's just their arrogance and their pride. There's nothing else behind their new schools of thought and their new institutes that they make and their new philosophies and tafsirs of Quran. It's just their own arrogance. And sometimes it's arrogant in their intelligence that I have a brilliance and an intelligence like no one has had before and therefore I can come up with a unique which is actually deviant but unique, aberrant understanding of Qur'an so it is just the kibber in their heart <coughs> and they shall never ever be able to reach means they can never reach their aspirations it can mean they will never become people of attainment and so you should seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from such people, from such fitness. Indeed, <coughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all hearing and is all seeing. That indeed the creation of the heavens, the firmaments and the earth is even greater than the creations of all of humanity. It can also mean the act of creation, the act of creating the Samawat and the earth is even greater than Allah Ta'ala's act or feat of creation of all of humanity. It can also mean khalqa, mean the makeup and the composition. The composition and constitution of the Samawat and Ard is greater than the composition of humanity. It means if you're amazed by human anatomy, even more amazing is the anatomy of the universe. However, the vast majority of people do not know, do not realize. And Allah said this before, we've done this before, that indeed the blind and the seeing can never be equal. It means those who are spiritually blind, who don't have the perception and the insight to see these realities, and those whose hearts are softened by revelation to see them, such too can never be the same. And indeed those who have Iman and those who have A'mal Saleh on the one side and Wadal Musi Musi means the person who does su, the person who perpetrates evil and sin these two can also never be equal right? But there is little is it that do, little of it do you take heed or little of you do you take heed? Indeed the ultimate hour, you mean the end of time is surely coming and there is no without any doubt whatsoever. However the vast majority of people don't believe in it at all. And you will find that again right on this earth. Uh, the vast majority of people don't have believe in it. And if you take Iman Kamil and really believe in it in, a set, in such a sense that belief in it would transform and change everything in their life and they would live every second of their life for that moment and for the hereafter, then very few people believe in it. Now verse 60 of Surah Al-Mu'min, also very 
famous, oft recited, much commented, and much loved and celebrated ayah of Quran al-Kareem. Maqala rabbukum ud'uni. And your Rabb says to you, ud'uni, make dua to me, supplicate to me, pray to me, ask of me. Astajib lakum. I will indeed respond to you. I will answer you. I will grant you. I will forgive you. Inna ladina yastakbiruna an ibadati. However, those who are too proud, who is it who would not make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Again, it's only out of their takabbar, not their akal, not their intellect, not their achievement. No, it's just plain takabbar. So such a person who is too proud, too arrogant, to an ibadati to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Then Allah Ta'ala says that these people they will enter soon enough enter Jahannam Dakhirin <coughs> in a state of abject humiliation. Abject humiliation. <coughs> Alright. So first thing first thing we should see, let me do the tough part and then we do the easy part. Right? So tough, tough tone. And if a person doesn't do ibadah, why is it? Because I'm lazy? No. Because I'm busy? No. Because I don't feel like doing ibadah? No. Because I don't, can't wake up? No. Because I'm too sleepy? No. There's only one reason why a person doesn't do ibadah. Yastakbiruna an ibadah. That's the real inner reason. They don't think they need it. The person is not too busy. If some person, if their boss calls them to a meeting at 5 a.m., they're not too busy for that. They're not too lazy for that. They're not too sleepy for that. They're not too tired for that. If a boss calls them for a meeting, they show up. When Allah subhanahu wa makes them muaddin, call the adhan, and call them for the meeting with their rub in salah and sajda, they don't show up. There's no reason except for this that it's their arrogance. A person would say, no, no, I'm not an arrogant person, I'm a nice person, I give to the poor. Arrogant means you think you're above needing worship. You don't feel the need. You feel the need to be there when your boss calls you. You feel the need to be there if the doctor says, I can only see you at this time. You feel the need to meet every other appointment. You don't feel the need to meet the appointments when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in salah. It is your arrogance. It is the kambar. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. So, we should not think that no, I don't do ibadah for any other reason. We should accept the Qur'anic statement against us and we should remove that arrogance. That no, I'm not beyond this. I'm not above needing this. I need it. If more than my boss telling me to be there at 5 a.m., I have to show up at Fajr at 5 a.m. Infinitely more than me making any other appointment in the world, I have to keep and make my appointments with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's simple. That's a very simple way for this class who has exams and meetings and jobs and deadlines to understand. Right? It's the kambur, it's the kambur, it's the kambur. Does it mean you should just, I'm telling you something to apply in yourself? Does it mean you should go to somebody else? Get to namaz for the kambiro. You can't say that to somebody else. Quran is to be applied to yourself. Apply it to yourself, right? Alright. But the good part, Allah subhanahu wa says that make dua to me. And I will answer every one of your du'as. Astajib, astajib. <coughs> from Ijaba, from Babi Istifal actually. Astajib. Those you know, Sarf. Khasiyat Abwab, Babi Istifal has the most alfaz, therefore has the most shiddat in mana. This means Allah Ta'ala says, I intensely, deeply, truly, always, eternally, 
hearken and answer and listen and grant your prayer and supplication. That's how you translate Babi Istifam. Ran Kutiyade. Astajib, Astajib. Yes, it's Arabic. It's also that you, we can't do for you because you can't follow that. There's a lot you're missing out, by the way, because you don't know Arabic. I try in my English with words and tones to try to convey you. There's a sense in the Arabic language, much more than just the meaning. There's a sense, a tenor, a tone. This is very strong what Alta is using. Super duper, he responds to our du'as. How does Allah Ta'ala respond? Number one, Nabi Akram Sallallahu Alaihi taught us this in hadith. That number one, Allah Ta'ala grants you what it is that you ask for. That's one way Allah Ta'ala grants your du'a. Second, He grants you better than what you ask for. Of the same kind of thing, but better than it. Right? So, you made du'a for a beautiful wife or a husband who could support you in this world. Allah Ta'ala gave you even better than that. A spiritually beautiful wife or a husband who can support you in the akhirah. Allah Ta'ala grants you more than what you ask for from the same line. Third is Allah Ta'ala grants you something else from some different area other than what you asked for. Fourth is that Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala removes some affliction from you. Can mean some sickness that was going to come on you. Some trial, tribulation that was going to come on to you. Some betrayal that was come on you. Some sinful urge that was going to rise up in you and make you sin. Allah Ta'ala takes something negative away from you. And the fifth way is if Allah doesn't do any one of these four things, then on the Day of Judgment, all of the du'as that were left unanswered or unfulfilled in any of these four ways, then Allah will give a person sawab from himself on the Day of Judgment for all such du'as. And that I mentioned to you before this year. I remember that Sayyidina Rasulullah said in the Hadith, that when a person sees how much sawab they get for those unanswered and unfulfilled du'as that were unfulfilled in this world, he will wish that every du'a of his or hers went unfulfilled in this world only to be fulfilled on the Day of Judgment for the sake of the Akhirah. So this is the way that Allah Ta'ala ultimately answers. Another intimate meaning is Allah intimately astajib means that Allah intimately hears and listens. So it means that you should feel an intimacy of making du'a to Him because He is intimately hearing and responding and granting that du'a. Alright? Okay. Much could be said on du'a. You know, you can listen to entire bayanat and lectures on du'a where many all the different ayat about du'a and hadith on du'a are gathered which is one thing I will mention to you adab of making du'a number one it is 100% sunnah through authentic hadith 100% sunnah through authentic hadith that you raise your hands in du'a and you raise your hands in du'a normal is such that your palms are facing uplifted towards the sky yes if sometimes you are crying you can cover your face that's also jayas but aslan is that your palm should be facing towards the sky like a beggar's cup, right? But you may also, no problem, sometimes in du'a, a person for seclusion, for khalwa, may cover their face. And every now and then, on rare occasions, for example, in the battle of Badr, Sayyidina Sallallahu raised his hands like this, outstretched arms up to the sky. And this is when his upper garment fell off, and then Sayyidina Bakr Siddiq said, it's enough, Sayyidina Sallallahu picked up his shawl and wrapped him again. This is a khas way to make du'a. Like, for example, if a person goes on Hajj, insha'Allah, and Yawm al-Arafah, then a person should out there with outstretched arms and hands in the blazing heat of the sun on the open plains of the day of Arafah, make du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's a khas andaz, right? But there's not supposed to be any takalluf in that, no artificiality in that. Every du'a always has to be khalis, mukhlis, genuine, and sincere.
Second thing about the adab of du'a is that a person should always make du'a for themselves first and others later. Yes, you may think that no, it's nicer for me to make du'a for others later. No, Allah Ta'ala wants you to, it's a personal thing. Allah Ta'ala wants you to beg you from Him. Yourself from Him. Your own needs from Him. That is your ubudiyyah. Right? Your ubudiyyah is even more important than your compassion. It's ibadah and ubudiyyah. There's a rapse between worship and slavehood. First make du'a for yourself. Then yes, second adab is to make du'a for others. Next adab is that when you make du'a for yourself, you have to make du'a for your akhirah and deen first. You can't go straight. Allah Ta'ala grant me the job. You can't even you have an interview tomorrow. Allah have an interview tomorrow. Okay, Allah knows that. Before you make du'a to pass that interview tomorrow, first make du'a for your deen, your akhirah. Increase me in taqwa, increase me in haya, increase me in iman. Make me regular in salah, make me regular in fajr. Allah just like you have made me sit on this masala to present this need of mine, the job interview to you, Allah make me always a person who presents every hajat to you. And then ask for your... Then after making du'a for your own deen and akhirah, then you make du'a for the own dunya, the hasanat, the lawful and virtuous things in the dunya. Then you make du'a for others, deen and akhirah, and then you can make du'a for their hasanat. So it means when somebody asks you to make du'a, I pass. I go, oh, I'm going to have to make a lot of du'as before I do that. Because make du'a for you to pass, you are other and that is your dunya. So first I have to make du'a for my deen and akhirah. Then I have to make du'a for my dunya. Then I'm going to have to make du'a for your deen and akhirah. You say, oh no, I'll do it, 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 You say, no, I can't do that. I'll have to make du'a for your taqwa and haya and your sunnah, and then I can make du'a for your exam. <laughs> it's going to be a long process. <laughs> so these are the adab of du'a. Here, like we said, you can listen to entire talks on this, on the different websites that we recommend to you. Alright? For Urdu, if you want to listen to Urdu Bayanat, you should go to www.tasawwuf.org And for English Bayanat, also on that website and also on www.islamicspirituality.org You will find, this is that, all the, whenever I tell you, you can listen to talks on the website. Those are the websites that we are referring you to. Now, uh, this, this, is, this is the major, major parts of Surah Mu'min have been done. The, the, the conversation of the Mu'min and this ayah, these are the two major features of Surah Mu'min, and the rest now we can go at with fair speed. Allah that being who has made the night for you, so that you may rest therein, and Allah Ta'ala has made one nahara mubsira, and Allah Ta'ala has made the night therein, in which you can see, allowing sight, in which means which you can earn. Indeed, Allah Ta'ala is gracious, and the being of grace, al-nasi. To all of humanity. All of humans. Allah Ta'ala's fadl is not just for mu'mini. Allah Ta'ala has sent his fadl to all nas. And yes, this means his provision and sustenance. But it also means the fadl of his hidayah. Every person gets hidayah. Gets, receives hidayah. They may not follow that hidayah. But every person receives the hidayah from Allah Ta'ala. However, La yashkurun. That all of that nas who gets the fuzzle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the vast majority of that nas are ungrateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is your Rabb, Allah. Who, that is your Rabb, the one who gives fuzzle to all of nas but the majority aren't grateful for it. That is who Allah is, who is your Rabb. And he is the creator of each and every single thing. La ilaha illahu. And there is no deity worthy worship except for him. فَأَنَّا تُوْفَقُونَ That where is it that you are wandering? 
that where is it that you go? So this is that ayah that we say that in Urdu Allah Ta'ala addresses all of humanity and says that may fazl where is it that you're going? Where, in which direction are you turning? To whom is it that you're turning away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So that's there. So it can also mean uh, how are you deceived? How are you astray? What has deceived you, distracted you, diverted you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How are you wandering away in a different direction? But thus Allah Ta'ala says, But those people who disputed about and denied and rejected the verses of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, thus do they wander astray, thus are they deceived, thus do they turn away, because they disputed in the ayat and the verses of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Allah is the one who has made the earth for you and abode, and the sky is a canopy and is a roof for you. Allah is the one who has fashioned and formed you into your appearance, and Allah has, and Allah has beautified your appearances. And Allah has sustained you and provided you nourishment with the pure things, with pure and virtuous things. This is Allah Subhanahu who is your Rabb. فَتَبَارَكَ Rabbul Alameen And full of barakah. Blessed is Allah Subhanahu who is the Rabb, the Lord of the Alameen. He is the all-living, ever-living, self-living, self-subsistence besides whom there is no other deity. فَدْعُوهُ So therefore you should make dua to Him, worship Him, call upon Him. مُخْلِسِينَ اللَّهُ Sincerely and exclusively with sincere devotion and all of your deeds should be sincerely only for him. Alhamdulillah bil'alameen and all praises for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Rabb of the Alameen. Kul inni nuhitu an min Say to them Nabi that I've been forbidden, I've been nahi, I've been prohibited uh from worshipping all those whom you worship besides Allah Ta'ala any other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when that when the bayanat, the clear and manifest evident signs came to me, min rabbi from my rabb, wa umirtu, and I have been commanded, an uslima, that I should submit entirely, li rabbil alameen, that I should submit entirely in obedience and worship and remembrance to rabbil alameen. Wallahi khalakukum min turabin, and Allah subhanahu wa being who created you from, uh, again, this, this theme means elements of earth, turab is Allah saying he made you from dust means from non-existence. That's another way to understand it. Or you could take it to mean things from the elements of earth. The way we say non-existence, because first you were non-existent, then min nutfa, and then the drop, and this we did this whole passage for you, similar wording earlier in, a, in an earlier passage for you. Min nutfa, then thumma min alaka, and then from a clot, thumma yukhrijukum tiflan, and then we brought you from a clot, brought you forth as a tifl, which means an infant. And then you reached your strength and your maturity. So this is what I told you that until the age of 33 a person reaches maturity. From 33 to 40 they stay on their maturity. From 40 to 60 they decline. From 60 to 80 is old age. And from 80 is bonus. Right? That's how we explain it to you. That's the khulasa of all of these different texts. Uh, yes, so shuyukh, sheikh is uh, Sheikh is held by uh, people to be 60, right? 
uh, and then you remain a sheikh till 80, and then after 80 you are super sheikh, right? And Allah spawned, okay, he, um, alright, so that you reach the strength, you become old, but, there's some of you whose lives will be taken before that. It's very important, because this is what Allah is saying in Quran. Not everybody is going to leave their natural life expectancy according to the WHO. Allah Ta'ala is saying, there are people who are taken up before that, before the 60, or maybe before the ashud, before the maturity, or even even before a person becomes tifl, before infancy, right? Whether it's miscarriage or, you know, neonatal death or something. All of this. All these Allah Ta'ala takes before. This is the way of Allah Subhanahu And either way, everybody will reach that appointed term, the term that has been appointed and set for them, so that you may understand. What? What is it that you're going to understand that's in the next ayah? So that you understand it's Allah who gives life and causes death. Not even the asbab that is made. For example, when you drop a ball, on the one hand you say it's gravity that caused the ball to drop. On the other hand you know Allah Ta'ala caused the ball to drop because He created the laws of gravity and everything follows that. Allah Ta'ala didn't want to make that when it came to life and death. Means what would it mean? Just like every ball drops in gravity, if everybody lived to the 72 years old that WHO says, so you would say everybody lives, yes, technically Allah calls them to death, but the asbab of life, the natural, that a human being only has a certain lifespan, that's what causes them. Allah no. When it comes to death, Allah doesn't want it to be just through asbab. He wants it to be imminently known to people that Allah causes death, so therefore it's not natural life fixer, it's not a single sabab, like it is for all of the other laws of nature. There are multiple asbab, sometimes baghayr sabab, baghayr sabab min asbab, without any known means, medical science will be stupefied, why did the person die? They call that sudden heart failure, that's not a sabab. They don't know the, what caused the heart to fail, they don't know that, sudden cardiac arrest. Right? Sudden this, sudden that, sudden asphyxiation of the lungs. Allah Ta'ala makes it without asbab. Why? Why? لَأَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ So that we could know, know what? هُوَ الَّذِي يُحْيِي وَيُمِينَ That Allah Ta'ala is the being who gives life and death and فَإِذَا قَذَا أَمْرًا فَإِنَّمَا يَكُولُ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُولُ That whenever He decides and decrees a matter, He simply says to it, be and it becomes. Right? So we should know that. That all the original power, ultimate power, penultimate power lies with Allah subhanahu wa alone. That is the reason why Allah Ta'ala causes people and it lifts people up to die at all stages of human development. Not that everybody is going to reach all of those stages of old age or even uh, senility or old age or maturity or youth or childhood. Okay, verse 69 onwards. Alam tara illa ladina fi ayatillah. Again, see, come over and over and over again. Do you not see that person who does mujadla, who disputes regarding the verses of Allah subhanahu revelation? Inni yusrafoon. And then how, uh, anna, anna yusrafoon. Do you not see that? How is it that they are diverted, means israf from sarf, where have them been diverted to? In which way are they heading? What is that detour that they are taking? kitab, And they are those who are rejecting and falsifying and believe as false. They believe the book to be false. And that which we sent our messengers with. So it means the scripture is one thing and what the Anbiya are set with is another thing. This is the Quran and Hadith, the Quran and Sunnah, but soon surely they will know. 
Okay, that when the yokes and chains will be placed on their and the yokes will be on their necks, and then chains will be put upon them, Yushabum they will be dragged. This is the nature, this is the description of how a person will be taken to uh, the fire of Jahannam. Fil Hamim into the boiling water, Tummafinari Yusjurun, and then uh, they will be burned in the fire. They will be cast into the fire and burned therein. Then it will be said to them that where is it? Where are those deities and idols, those things that you ascribe and associated Mindunillahi other than Allah Subhanahu instead of Allah Subhanahu besides Allah Subhanahu That's that they have been lost to us, they've abandoned us. No, in fact, we weren't actually praying to anything before. They will even say that it was nothing, it was fluff. It was non-existent we were praying to. And thus does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leave the atheists and disbelievers to be astray. And this is because you did farah. means you were boastful and arrogant. Uh, you know, without a right. Without any right to be so. And uh, you were conceited. Enter into the gates of Jahannam and you will dwell therein. Indeed, a terrible abode and wretched and terrible abode is it for the arrogant and proud. That you should be patient. Indeed, the promise of Allah is true. And Allah says that if whether we actually show you this part or some of what we have promised them or or if we simply take you up means that we take your soul uh, you will be returned to us it is to us and us alone that they will be they will be returned alright what does this mean so here uh, first of all This means that either you will see a part of the punishment, overcome them, or you may be alive to see the Day of Judgment, or your soul will be taken up before Allah manifests His punishment. Alright, but either way, fasbir, either way we have to be patient. And specifically it's addressing Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam is the next ayah Allah tells us that indeed Prophet we sent many anbiya and messengers before you. Minhum man kasasna alayk, and from amongst those many anbiya, there is some about which we have narrated their narrations to you. Wa minhum, and from amongst those anbiya, there are man lam naksus alayk. There are those anbiya that we have not narrated their narrations to you, which means there are many, many anbiya that existed that even the Prophet doesn't know about who they were, their names, where they went, what they did, and their their their, their stories and narrations are not mentioned in Quran Karim. In fact, if I remember correctly, there are 25, if I remember correctly, 25 Anbiya mentioned in Quran, their names, and, you know, maybe a few dozen other mentioned in Hadith, but Hadith is also mentioned there are 120,000 Anbiya, so the vast majority of which we also don't know. And does not 
befit any messenger or it is not for any messenger that they can bring any sign except with the permission and command the permission of Allah subhanahu wa and when the command and decree of Allah subhanahu wa when his order arrives then the decision and judgment will be made on the basis of truth and justly and then khasra means they will be at a loss. Who will be at a loss at such a moment? The mubtidun, those who were on falsehood and did iftal, were spreading falsehood. Those who were false and spread falsehood. Okay, 124,000 anbiya in the Muslim Imam Ahmad Ramtala, he has mentioned the hadith, that Sayyidina Abu Dhar al Ghafari, that said that there were 124,000 anbiya. Some narrations say 315 of them were Rasul. 315 or 313 of them were uh, given scripture. So it means 315 scriptures. Some say 315, some narrations say 313. Interestingly, that's the same number of Sahaba, 120 to 124,000 Sahaba, and 313 or 315 Badri Sahabi. So some of the Muhaddisin have said uh, that the Sahaba Ikram, each and every one of them had a shan of a particular Nabi in him. And Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, he had the shan of Mustafa in him. Yeah, that's more higher level stuff that we cannot do right now. Alright? Okay. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that being who has created the animal, the cattle, the livestock for you. You need domestic animals for you. So that you may ride of them while you may eat from yet others. And in that you have many benefits from them that we have done these passages for you. And that you may fulfill your needs in them. Uh, Fulfill the needs that you have in your breast in them, and you may ride upon them, and you are transported upon them, and they may bear your cargo, you are transported on them, and as you are transported on ships, you are carried on them and on ships. ayati and Allah shows you His signs. Which of the signs of Allah Subhanahu will you reject? Same thing that Jews do not travel as past before have they not traveled the earth and the lands and seen the plight and how those and seen the plight of those seen the plight and how they ended up those who went before them. Kanu akthara minhum and the vast uh, those those previous kings were more numerous than them and they were more powerful in strength. Wa ashadakuwa and more powerful in strength than them. And they had left behind many legacies and landmarks and effects, more landmarks and legacies and effects fill earth on this earth. However, none of that profited them, none of that was able to avail them in any way over what they committed. You need their gossip, what they earned, what they earned was the punishment from Allah due to their disbelief. And when their messengers and prophets came to them with clear proofs, but rather they were happy that what was already with them in the hum min al-ilmi they were happy uh, and content uh, and it's in an arrogant sense they were arrogantly or uh, pridefully boastfully content with what knowledge they already had this is also an important verse right because some people who have ilm they're happy with what they already know they just say we don't need being I have knowledge I'm a sociologist I'm an anthropologist I'm a physician right I'm a sahibi ilm and they're content with that and because they're content with that they don't accept what the anbiya bring to them, they don't expect, ex- accept wahi nabu'ah, they don't accept Qur'an and sunnah. So all of the things that they used to mock and they used to be cynical about and all of that that enveloped them, it means all of that, uh, you know, all of that 
they were surrounded by everything that they used to ridicule and mock. When they saw our punishment, they said, We believe in Allah subhanahu wa We believe in Allah And we reject and we deny all of those partners that we ever used to ascribe to Him. However, at that moment, when they're in the Akhirah, seeing the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, at that moment their Iman will not benefit them. When they see our force and our punishment, it will not benefit them in any way. And indeed, this is the custom and the practice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which has already passed and already effect in his ibad amongst his creatures, his slaves, his mortals. And then indeed, the disbelievers will be on tremendous loss. There's a second surah beginning with the word Hamim, as we mentioned to the seventh surah, Hawamim. The surah sometimes known as Hamim Sajda, because there's an eye to Sajda that is going to come here, and sometimes it is known on the basis of this word in verse number three, Fasilat. Or uh, the ex- exposition or the expository declaration. All right. Here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ayah of Quran begins Hamim that we've explained to you before. Those are letters that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only knows. That this is a revelation from Ar Rahman Ar Rahim, from the All Merciful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the All Mercy Giving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This Surah has a lot of information about Quran. In other words, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will talk about the Quran itself. What is the Quran? The purpose of the Quran? The nature of the Quran? So here you have for the first time, if I'm not mistaken, it's being mentioned as a tanzil min ar-Rahman ar-Rahim from the all-merciful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the mercy giving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is a book, Fusilat Ayatuhu, whose verses have been clearly expounded. Some say Fusilat, whose verses are clearly and well-ordered. And it's a Qur'an in Arabiyyah. It is a Qur'an that is recited and revealed in the Arabic language. لِقَوْمِ يَعْلَمُونَ For a people who know. Okay, so the first thing here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning this because it's an extreme... Both of this, Fusilat and Arabiyyah, is referring to the Balagha of the Qur'an. It's Fasaha and Balagha, it's perfect structure in terms of Arabic linguistics and rhetoric, what we call Ilmul Ma'ani in the Arabic language. And it's also extremely eloquent, even Fusilak has a notion of eloquence, even logic, even well-ordering, it has all of those connotations. It's eloquent in its manner of address, and therefore the Arabs to whom it was addressed, they're a Qawm Ya'lamun, the Arab community who know the Arabic language, Therefore, number one, not only could they appreciate the deep meanings and eloquence in this well-ordered Qur'an, but secondly, they could realize and perceive that this could not be the speech of human beings. No Arab has ever uttered Arabic like this. It's not the language, right? Just because it's Arabic. Many people think it's not the language. People write in Arabic. They were pre-Islamic Arabs. There's lots of kufr written Arabic. It's the fact that the Arabic was perfect. It's divine Arabic. It's a divinely revealed Arabic, and so anybody who understood that would be able to tell. And Bashir al-Nadira, and this book, this Qur'an al-Karim itself, so up till now, Nabiya al-Karim has been mentioned as a Bashir al-Nadir here, the Qur'an al-Karim itself brings glad tidings and is also a warner. However, فَأَعْرَضَ أَكْثَرُهُمْ فَهُمْ لَا يَسْمَعُونَ 
However, the vast majority of them will do i'rad, they will turn away from the Qur'an فَهُمْ لَا يَسْمَعُونَ Because they're not listening to it. Now, either they don't listen to it or they don't hear it, which means they literally choose not to listen to its sound, or they listen to it but it, they don't heed its words. But interestingly here in verse 5, very interesting, Allah is going to mention, those people who don't listen, i.e. don't listen or don't submit, what do they say? وَقَالُوا So they say, قُلُوبُنَا فِي أَكِنَّةٍ مِمَّا تَدْعُونَ إِلَيْهِ That our kulub, our spiritual hearts, are screened, are veiled, are screened from what you are calling us towards. They themselves will acknowledge this. They say, it doesn't have no effect on us. Right? Now this is not sarcasm. This is not being, they're not saying this sarcastically. They are professing this. It's almost like they're confessing. It's almost as if they're confessing that Kuyasraniura cannot penetrate us. Now this is an amazing thing because it shows that even disbelievers, even atheists, realize that they're spiritually impervious to Quran. So what does it mean? So that calm that recognized the Arabic in Quran to be such that no human could have composed it, it could only be divine Arabic, their aql tells them, because that's an aqli thing, knowledge of Arabic is an aql thing, their aql tells them that the book is divine, but their heart still can't accept it. Now, how many mu'mineen are like that? We believe in the Quran, every sudden, of course, the Quran to look at Zuru Kitabe, the Kisses of Chapnim, Mizrumanta, right? So what they're talking from their aql. Not on the basis of Arabic, but because of their iman, they're saying that definitely it's the book of Allah. But it doesn't enter into their hearts. It doesn't enter into their kulub. Their spiritual hearts are screened from that which the Quran al-Karim is calling towards. And then they say, fi adanina waqrum. And waqr means that they are like, you can say, props. Uh, they are, you know, a film or a props or something that is blocking in our ears. hijab, And then ultimately say that between us and between you, and it can mean literally you, Sayyidina Rasulullah, for the original people who were saying this, or anybody who was calling anyone to Quran. <coughs> There's a hijab. That there's a, and again, you can say a barrier between us. There's a barrier, and it's an impervious barrier, something that we cannot penetrate. There's a veil and a barrier between us. Therefore, what is the philosophy that they come up with? And this is which this is the best secular humanism in this ayah. This is the tolerant one. Live and let live. What do they say? Fa'mal innana amilun. You do what you do. You do what you please, and we will do what we please. <laughs> So this attitude of the sort of tolerant secular humanist that okay look you know we we just can't accept religion it's just not in us I can't find it in me some of them say I don't have the religion gene in me some of them say that sometimes what do they say but you do as you please and I'll do what I please let's live and let live the Quran doesn't accept that either right that the Quran doesn't accept that not because it's a tyrant but because if you let them live the way they want to live they're going to end up in Jahannam remember we did this before Allah doesn't want that doesn't want to. Don't. Why do you let somebody live a spiritually empty life? Don't shake them up, call them, remind them, entice them, invite them. Don't let them live. But this is what they say. So this is actually it's not sarcastic. It's not cynical. It's not mocking. It's a very honest confession. Look what they're saying here in, in verse number five. Allah wants to put everything in the Quran, right? Allah knows that this is what people are going to say. Right? And this is something, and clearly here you can tell, in the Quran, this is not being cited as an acceptable way of life. 
this is being cited as yet another, maybe a more honest type of kufr, but another type of spiritual deviation. That say that I, Nabi Akram, I'm a human, I'm like you. This was an answer to the constant question that why did Allah Ta'ala send a human? This is also proof in Quran that Nabi Akram is Bashar. He is also Nur and he is also Bashar. Any philosophy that thinks he is only Nur, mistaken. Any philosophy that thinks he is only Bashar, mistaken. Their text that explained that he is both. He had the Nur of Nabuwa, which is placed inside him. He had Bashariya, he was a human being, he was from Insan. Yuha Alayya. And that revelation has been revealed to me. <coughs> that indeed your Rabb, your God is just one God. Yani Allah. فَاسْتَقِيمُوا إِلَيْهِ And therefore you should remain, um, you should be devoted to Him, you should turn towards that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you should be true to Him. And وَاسْتَقْفِرُوهُ And you should seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. وَوَيْلُ الْمُشْرِكِينَ And woe be to those who are the idolatrous. And woe means a portent of future destruction. أَلَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْتُونَ الزَّكَاةَ Now who are they? Who are the mushrikeen? The ones that says here who don't pay zakah. Now the commentators have said, but you know, there's no mutalaba of zakat from them, because they're mushrikeen, so what does it mean? Well, let me finish this. وَهُمْ بِالْآخِرَةِ هُمْ كَافِرُونَ And they deny the hereafter. So two attributes being mentioned here. Now normally your aqwa would say mushrikeen would be those who ascribe partners to Allah, those who believe in other gods, right? How are mushrikeen being defined here? They don't pay zakah and they don't believe in akhirah. That's part of shirk. That's what Allah is showing in Quran. Shirk doesn't just mean to worship idols and statues, not following the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, setting up any rival to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not believing in the imaniyat and believing in something else, believing in, you know, cryogenesis or believing in that you're just going to disintegrate into the earth instead of believing in akhirah, that's also a shirk. You set up a rival concept of what happens to man after they die. Then the question about the zakat, right, so some say it means that zakat, here Allah is giving an emphasis, it's an ishara how important it is to pay zakat for the ummah of Qur'an. And that people who don't pay the zakat, they are being referred to as if they're mushrikeen. Second people say that zakat is, second commentators say that zakat isn't being used in its linguistic sense. Oh sorry, in its shari'i, istilahi sense to do the amal of paying zakat in our deen and sharia. It's being used in its linguistic sense which means purify. So there are those who are not able to purify themselves of their idolatry and they do not believe in the akhirah. Indeed those who have iman and those who do righteous acts and acts of virtue, they will have an uh, everlasting, they will have a reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which is غَيْرُ mumnun, which is unfading, unending, without end. Unfading and without end, غَيْرُ mumnun. Say, call to them, ah, That do you really disbelieve in that being who created the earth in two days? This next few eyes are a bit of the scientific aspects. I'm not going to actually do a detailed scientific explanation of them. Because I don't think science can ever entirely capture and understand this reality. And when we try to explain things in lesser terms, which science is less than Qur'an, you do a disservice to Qur'an, then you open the day for the atheist, that the day science changes its position, they will open up the seer and says, oh look, there are the commentators used to believe in this, and clearly Muslims are against science, they don't believe in science. Alright? It means that Allah SWT created this earth in two periods, two stages, two days, two time intervals. Allah knows best how He created this earth. Certainly even they say that the Big Bang was in an instant. 
right? There were certain stages of the unfolding of the universe, certain stages of planet formation, certain stages of them entering into their orbits, right? So Allah SWT is speaking the same way that these cosmologists speak in. So Allah Ta'ala created the earth in two stages. But that Alu Naluhu Andada Actually, I mean, do you really disbelieve in that Allah Subhanahu who created the earth in two stages and you ascribe partners uh, and you have made partners to him and rivals to him? Alameen. But he that Allah Subhanahu who created the earth in two days, he is Rabbul Alameen, he is the Rabb of all of the world. And Allah Subhanahu has placed mountains on the surface of the earth. And then Allah Ta'ala has put barakah in the earth. I mean, you see, these are, science can understand this. How is science going to explain this? And Allah Ta'ala put barakah on the earth. Hmm? And if I use science to explain that, and I said, no, by barakah, it means Allah to put nutrients in the soil. I'm doing a disservice to Quran. Who am I to say that Allah Ta'ala's barakah is something so petty as nutrients in the soil? Hmm? What is nutrients in the soil <laughs> compared to the barakah of Allah Ta'ala? So you have to be a bit careful. I tried to show you that sometimes you can bring in science, sometimes you can't. Right? Uh, and this is the place where I feel that one should not bring that in. Akwat is powers of qut. It means its provisions and nourishments. In four, literally means four days, in four time intervals. Allahualam, right? Whatever is the nourishment and sustenance on this earth, Allah Ta'ala put that on this earth in four time intervals. Sawa'an lissa'ileen. And this is Allah SWT saying, and thus, uh, this is for those who ask questions, for the questioners, right? Uh, this sawa'an can mean number of things. Sawa'an can mean that it's, a, you can say, equivalent or equitably to those who ask, right? Equal for those who ask. It can also mean this in a way that it's irrelevant whether they ask uh, those sa'ilin, those who ask, because it comes here that first of all the Jews ask Sayyidina Rasulullah Sayyidina Abdullah bin Abbas narrates in a mustadrak of Hakim al that the Jews ask Sayyidina Rasulullah how many days did Allah Ta'ala take to create the heavens and the earth and Allah Ta'ala revealed these verses so according to that riwayah then this means that this is uh, for those who ask but sawa'an means that it's irrelevant it's equally irrelevant to them means they're not asking generally Right? They're not going to believe or disbelieve either way, irrespective of the answer. Second, Sawa'an al-Sa'ilin means that when people seek the risk of Allah SWT, Sa'ilin, they're seeking the bounties of Allah Ta'ala, then Allah Ta'ala has put that equitably for them. Not that their risk is equitable, but Allah Ta'ala's original creation was equity, equitable access to humanity to what's on earth. That's a separate thing that humans being chose to form themselves in nations that some overpower others, some monopolize resources over others. But in terms of the original laying out of earth, there was equitable access to man, to insan, to all of the resources that barakat, even the barakat as well, that Allah Ta'ala had put in the earth. Alright. And then Allah Subhanahu directed Himself towards the heavens and the earth, and it also means He directed it, he directed His creative and designing power towards it. So it means, in essence, that He designed it. and then it, uh, which had uh, hitherto been vapor. So the sky has just been vapor, if you want to take it in an atmospheric sense. Now here again, science can never understand this. And Allah Subhanahu wa said to those samawat, and to the earth, that you should come to me 
obediently or in a state of dislike. It means literally you should come to me willingly or unwillingly. Literally it meant come to me in a state of ita'a or in a state of kiraha. It can also mean come to me willingly or come to me in force. Either ikrah, either you will come on your own obedience or you will come in force. Qalata, the samawat and the ard, the sama and the ard, the sky and the earth, both of them said to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Atina ta'in, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we come to you willingly in obedience, we don't want you to force us. Now what does this mean, right? So ulama, and this I explained to you once in a lecture as well, that the Mufassirin have mentioned several possibilities here. Number one is that first and foremost, this is to be understood literally. This is not a purely metaphorical, fig- figurative expression. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala literally addressed this command to the sky and the earth after fashioning planet earth. Now, the figurative part is what does it mean to come to him? So by come to him, it doesn't mean that the sky and the earth should travel out of the realm of human existence and go to the kursi and the arsh. No, by that was figurative. It means come to me in submission. Submit. Now I've created you, now you're going to submit also. Right? Whether the submission means it's going to rotate around its axis, whether submission means it won't have an earthquake until Allah Ta'ala commands it to do so, whether submission means it will have the earthquake every time Allah Ta'ala does command the earth to do so, it can mean many, any, and all of these things. Alright? So it means it come to me, means figuratively, means submit to Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. And Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala gave them an option. You can either have Iman, you can do so willingly, or you will simply be subjugated because I am the master. Right? And they said, no, no, we come to you willingly. And this ayah has been used then in conjunction with what we did yesterday or day before, that the Jibal and the Ard refused the Amana. Right? Uh, they did, want, did not want to be able to take this responsibility of free will. It means free will, the freedom to disbelieve and disobey uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They didn't take that. They rather willingly chose to take a life of pure and absolute submission without any other possibility. Next stage of creation Allah Ta'ala means again fiyomini in two days. Allah Ta'ala layered those that sky into seven layers. So again, you could use science and say this is levels of the atmosphere and remember that's the stratosphere and toposphere and they have all these different spheres in the atmosphere. Or you could say no, Allah knows best. Only Allah Ta'ala knows what it is, but it represents some level of seven layers. وَأَوْهَا فِي كُلِّ سَمَاءٍ أَمْرِنَ أَمْرَهَا Literally it means that Allah Ta'ala addressed His command, His appropriate or suitable command to each and every single one. Again, you can say that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala knows best what that is. Some commentators have said that Allah Ta'ala has appointed angels for each of those seven levels and put them in charge of those samawat. Allah knows best. وَزَيَّنَّ السَّمَاءَ الدُّنْيَا بِمَسَابِيحِ And then Allah Ta'ala made beautiful and adorned the sky of this realm. Masabih literally means lights or lanterns. We did this in Ayat uh, al-Nur. Uh, Masabih is plural of misbah. Alright. So Allah Ta'ala has adorned it with lanterns and lights. Again, what does that mean? Does this mean in the daytime the sun? Does it mean at nighttime the moon and the stars? Does it mean all of that? It can mean any and all of that. Uh, with lights and Allah Ta'ala made it wahifda and made it as a protection does this mean the protection that the atmosphere gives due to the different rays in the universe does it mean anything else again Allah Ta'ala knows best ذَلَكَ تَقْدِيرُ الْعَزِيزِ الْعَلِيمِ and such is the decree and the order the manifestation of the power of Al-Aziz the Almighty Al-Alim uh, Al-Alim the All-Knowing
right? So in a'radu, but if they turn away, it means if they turn away from Qur'an al-Kareem, they turn away from deen, فَكُلْ أَنذَرْتُكُمْ سَاعِكَ That tells them that I warn you of a punishment. And this just means I warn you of a uh, blast. Uh, and it was the blast of the thunderbolt, of the lightning, مِثْلَ سَاعِكَ تَعَادِمُ وَثَمُودِ blast the like of which afflicted and was sent as a punishment on the communities of Ad and Thamud. That has come many times before Ija Atamur Rusul that when the messengers came to them. Mimbaina Aidihim that literally means it literally came to them in front of them. Mummin Khalfihim and from behind them. Allah Ta'budu illallah that will you not worship will you not worship only Allah SWT means worship Allah Ta'ala alone. Qalu la sha that if our Rabb had wanted yani, to send a messenger, then indeed he would have sent down malaika, he would have sent down angels. فَإِنَّا بِمَا أُرْسِلْتُمْ بِهِ كَافِرُونَ Therefore, we will choose to disbelieve in what you have been sent with. So فَأَمَّعَادَ As far as the people of Ad, they were arrogant. فَاسْتَقْبَرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ بِغَيْرِ الْحَقِّ They were arrogant and prideful on earth without any vindic- without any justification, without truth. And they said, Who is it that can be more powerful than us? And this was the arrogance because Allah Ta'ala made them a very strong, capable nation. And obviously Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is more powerful than them. That is the crystal clear answer to that. That do they not see that Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, that being who created them, He is Ashaddu minhum, He is more powerful than them kuwa in terms of His might and strength. But indeed they rejected the verses of Allah Ta'ala's revelation or here it can mean that they rejected the signs of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So then what happened? So here, here, verses 17, 18, 16, 17, 18 is all repetition uh, from earlier parts in the Qur'an. Pretty much, maybe not word for word, but mentioning the punishment that was sent on them. So verse 16 says, So then we sent a fierce and violent windstorm against them for... <coughs> for a number of days so that we may make them taste the disgraceful and humiliating punishment in the life of this world and then the pain of the punishment of the akhirah will the azab al-akhirati and the, indeed the azab of the akhirah will be even more humiliating yet وَهُمْ لَا يُنْسَرُونَ and they will have no assistance from that there will be no help from that they will not be safe from that in any way as far as the thamud Allah Ta'ala says that first we guided them فَهَدَيْنَاهُمْ we sent hidayah upon them فَاسْتَحَبُّوا الْأَعَمَا Al-Huda, but they loved literally fastahabu. They viewed as mustahab. They preferred blindness over guidance. This is the words Allah Taala is using here. They preferred blindness to guidance. I mean, they preferred to remain spiritually blind instead of accept the hidayah that Allah Taala sent upon them. Fa'ghazathum sa'iqatul adabi, and indeed the, the catastrophic, catastrophic, or cleaving, or ominous punishment uh, overwhelmed them uh, because. <laughs> because of all of the, the extremely humiliating punishment overcome them because of what they were doing. But we granted salvation to the people who had Iman and and they were people of Taqwa. So this suggests that Allah Ta'ala did not make the punishment go upon such people. Alright. Now in verse 19, Allah is going to mention the Day of Judgment. And in this passage from 19 to 25, we have some 
new description of the day of judgment. وَيَوْمَ يُحْشَرُوا أَعْدَاءُ اللَّهِ إِلَى النَّارِ Allah says, in this day, when the enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is how he describes a'da, the enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when they will be gathered in the nar, they will be gathered towards the fire of hell. So you can say they will be gathered and herded and ushered towards the fire of hell. For whom use their own. And then at that moment, uh, then they will be uh, restrained. Uh, until that when they are get there, then what will testify against them? Some of them, their ears, وَأَبْصَارُهُمْ Their eyes وَجُلُودُهُمْ And their skin, their flesh بِمَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ Based on every single thing that they used to do. So this is this other testimony that will be given on the Day of Judgment. Uh, and this will be when they are herded in front of the fire of Jahannam. And everything that a person did uh, who is destined for Jahannam, then their eyes and ears and their skin and their flesh will testify to it. So it comes in a hadith from Sayyidina Rasulullah narrated by Imam Muslim that Sayyidina Abu Hurairah then said that a munafiq will say on the Day of Judgment that, Oh my Rabbi, I believed in you and your scripture and your Nabi. I performed Salah, fasted in Ramadan, I paid Zakat, Sadqa. And he will keep on saying things about himself. And then Allah Ta'ala said, we will, will respond to him, we will soon find out when the witnesses are presented. And the person will be puzzled that who is it that's going to come as a witness to him, and that his own lips will be sealed, and his own eyes and ears and skin will testify against him. Alright? So, this is one aspect that it may happen to a monophic. Uh, it can happen to any one person who's going to Jahannam, and even maybe for those mu'mineen who are going to go to Jahannam due to their sins. So, what will they say? So, they will adjust their skin. And they say, That why is it that you are testifying against us? And one of the reasons for that is particularly the Mufassirin mentioned that many sins they did was for the sake of their own physical pleasure. And so the sins that they did for their own physical pleasure, that same physical body for the sake of which they sin will testify against them. So they will be stunned. They will say, alayna, That why is it that you are testifying against us? Second meaning is that they will be stunned that, you know, I'm trying to get myself off the hook of Jahannam and this is the very skin that's going to burn in Jahannam if I go in Jahannam. So it will say, why are you testifying against us? They say, Alayna, us, means that we are in you, we're in this together, right? So what will that skin respond? Qalu, antaka That Allah subhanahu wa endowed us with speech. Nutq, the ability to speak, articulate speech, that same Allah Ta'ala has articulated everything with speech. And anything that is able to speak, Allah Ta'ala has enabled it with speech. That same Allah has enabled us to speak right now. And He is that Allah Ta'ala who created you the first time and to Allah Ta'ala was your return. So their own bodies will tell them, right? That we were in, in one sense of this is that they will realize that they were also the skin was created by Allah Subhanahu wa and it knew it was going to return to Allah Subhanahu wa and it didn't want this person to sin. It didn't want the person who was inside that skin to sin, right? So a person's own ears, own eyes, and own skin will testify against them. Then it will be addressed to them on the day of judgment. Oh, ma kuntum Tastatiruna 
So you didn't hide means it means you did not conceal your actions and activities, right? From because you never thought you didn't you never thought that who would testify against you? Your own ears and your own eyes and your own flesh, you never thought that they would do that, right? So you never bothered to hide it from them. Obviously you cannot hide your sins from your own body. What Allah mentions here, uh, means here, is that you couldn't hide your actions and your sins from your own hearing, from your own seeing, and from your own skins, and therefore they are testifying against you on this day of judgment. But you thought, lakin zanantum, even though you knew your eyes and your skins, but you thought Allah Ta'ala didn't see. You thought that Allah is unaware and does not know, does not have knowledge of a lot of things that you do. Now again, this is not an Aqidah statement. Obviously, a perfect person knows Allah knows what I'm doing. But they act as if Allah doesn't know. Maybe they think He's merciful, He'll ignore it. Maybe they don't read the non-host, they don't have shu'ur, they're not aware. Like many times we tell you the story of Atab bin Abi Rabah. He used to tell his friends, and oh my friend, every time you intend to commit a sin, you close the doors and you draw the curtains and you shut the drapes and you close all of the doors through which creation can look at you. Is it only that one creator in front of whom you have no shame? Right? Right? This is the gist of what Allah Ta'ala is saying in this ayah. Right? So Allah Ta'ala wants to make it clear first by making them their own bodies testify. And then the fact that you thought that Allah Ta'ala didn't know what you would do. That's what Allah Ta'ala is addressing in you. I'm not saying me to you. Allah Ta'ala is saying to you, which includes me. Right? And this was the zan that you had about your rub, and this zan, zan means this perception or this view, uh, this supposition that you had about your rub, this has brought you ardaqum fasbahtum min al this has brought destruction upon you, and you find yourself amongst the losers. Fasbahtum literally, you wake up in the morning, but it means that you have now found yourself to be amongst those who are in utter and abject loss. وَإِنْ يَسْبِرُوا فَالنَّارُ مَثْوًا لَهُمْ اللَّهُ أَكْبَرُ كَمِيرًا فَإِنْ يَسْبِرُوا وَالَطَّلَى سَنْكَ That if you, even if you try to have sabr, in other words, if you patiently endure the fire of Jahannam, even then it will be your abode forever. Here Allah Ta'ala meant that in this world, if you're faced with any difficulty, any punishment, if you endure it, then Allah Ta'ala will eventually lift it. If you patiently endure it, it will go away. But here Allah Ta'ala says that no, if a person in Jahannam thinks like that, that okay, I will patiently endure it, uh, then even that will not be able to make the punishment of Jahannam fade away. And then the second thing Allah Ta'ala then adds is that وَإِنْ يَسْتَعْدِبُوا فَمَا هُمْ مِنَ الْمُعْتَبِينَ And it means that if they try to please Allah SWT or it can mean if they apologize to Allah SWT and seek His pardon itab, if they seek Allah's pardon they will not be pardoned in any way if they try to please Allah SWT they will not be able to make Him pleased anyway what does it mean that seeking His pardon is not something that can happen now it's just it's not the place and the time the place and time for seeking pardon with this world and that is passed on them because you've seen them calling out to Allah Ta'ala saying we're sorry we wish you could go back right so here's what Allah Ta'ala said 
Then Allah Ta'ala mentions in this world what was the situation of the people of Jahannam in this world. <coughs> now interesting you have no Quran and you have no Quran. So what does this mean? Quran, Quran, Karim, these are all from the same root word. Quran means close companions. So Allah Ta'ala saying is that we had appointed for them uh, close companions. And what did they do? They used to make beautiful and attractive for them literally what is before them and what is going to come after. So one interpretation of this, what does it mean what is before them? It means that this dunya (coughs) that the the dunya, what is before them what is yet, what is before them means what is yet to come in front of them and what is behind them is the dunya. What is yet to come to them in the akhirah they beautify the akhirah for them. What does that mean? That they made them think that it's okay, akhirah is a place where everybody gets it. You can be a sinner, you still get akhirah. You don't have iman, you can still get an akhirah. So they are companions from, likely from the shayateen, but here it is mutlaq companions. Could be also fellow human beings, right? Who tell them these things, that no, no, Allah Ta'ala, everybody will go to heaven, right? So they made the akhirah muzayyan. They gave such, they artificially, artificially beautified the concept of akhirah such that these people indulge themselves in sin in front of their own ears and eyes and skin, not having any to wear. And then they beauty, those companions beautify what came behind, means in the dunya, so the sinful acts that they do, they gift wrap their sins and made them think that it's okay to sin. So then what does Allah Subhanahu say? Well, and then the sentence and decree and judgment of Allah Subhanahu Taala will be passed against them. Together with all of those communities of people who have come before them, all those ummas that came before them, from jinn and insan, indeed they will be losers. So any communities of insan and jinn who have disbelieved in Allah Subhanahu Taala, all of them will also uh, face this punishment of the fire of Jahannam along with the people who along with these people who have been brought to the force of Jahannam and their skin eyes and their ears and skins are testifying against them. You're gonna in just inshallah I will Okay, not today, tomorrow inshallah Surah Shura you will see that Allah Ta'ala mentions that we appoint a shaitan as a companion for every person who turns away from Rahman. So that notion of the companion being shaitan Literally, Allah says that every person who turns away from Rahman, we will point at a shaitan, individual shaitan. We will depute a shaitan personally to such a person. That's coming tomorrow, inshallah, Surah 42. Here, continuing verse 26. So those who disbelieve what they used to say, they used to say that other people don't listen to this Quran. And they used to say that you should make noises to disturb its recitation. What does it mean? So the unbelievers in Makkah Makarma, they would stop other people from listening. And then they would also uh, try to get people to talk or make noise to disturb it. Meaning to... <coughs> so that you may prevail or so that maybe so that your noise may be louder than the, no- the sound of the person reciting it. Or it may also mean that you'd better... 
make noise so people don't hear it so that you can prevail over the Prophet because you won't be able to prevail when people actually hear the message of Quran it shows even again the unbelievers understanding that the Quran has a power the Quran is a force to contend with the Quran is a force that they have to oppose the Quran is a force that if it's allowed to be spread then they will never become victorious and, that, and it's also literally the mushrikeen in Makkah used to do that and they would try to talk and engage in futile conversation so that the people to whom the Prophet was reciting Quran would have difficulty hearing it. So then what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? And then indeed those who disbelieve we will let them taste or make them taste an adhab and shadeed and it's severe and intense punishment. And indeed we will certainly punish them for the aswa, the most su, the most evil. Just like you did maybe a few days ago for my asan that the mu'min will be rewarded for the best of what they do. Right here they will be punished for the worst of what they did. The worst deed that they did will determine their level of punishment. And for the believer the best deed they do will determine the level of reward. Some ulama even there have said, so your reward of fajr will be based on the best fajr you ever prayed. Allah will put that rate. So imagine like there's a crate of mangoes, hmm? and there's one, what is it? Chalsa, grade A export quality, and the rest are all, what's the kakat? They're la waraswatai. Tapke wala am. What is that called? Huh? So, but imagine if somebody says, okay, I'll make the whole heap of mangoes, I'll set the rate of a chalsa. Whatever is the best one in there. But that's what the ulama said. I forgot to mention that to you over there. So the best fajr you prayed, all fajrs will get that rate. The best tawaf you made, all the tawafs will get that rate. The best istighfar you made, all your istighfars will get that rate. That's for the mu'mineen and for the disbelievers be the other way around. The worst lie they ever told, all the lies will be treated like that. Everything they will get, aswa, aswa, the worst, the most su, the most evil, the most evil. Right? That means even a single slip of really devastating evil, everything, every amal of that same category will be treated in that worst of ways. <coughs> the worst of the evil things that they used to do. This is the recompense of the Ada'illahi, of the, enem- in the, the enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is that? An-Nar. So the fire of Jahannam will be what is their, their recompense and their retribution on that day. Lahum fiha darul khuld. And this is crystal clear that therein they will live forever. They will have in that fire a permanent home. Jaza'um bima kaunu bi ayatina yajhadun. And this is the retribution for having refused and denied the verses of our revelation. وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا And those who disbelieve, they will say, رَبَّنَا أَرْنَ الَّذِينَ أَذَلَّنَا مِنَ الْجِنِّ وَالْإِنسِ That, oh Allah, show us, they will call it in Jahannam, from the fire and say, show us, we want to see them. Who are those people who deluded it for us from the jinn and insan? We want to see them. I can't see them in Jahannam. I'm burning in Jahannam, I can't see, I want to see where is that person? Where is that philosophy professor who made me an atheist? I want to see him. Where is that person who convinced me to leave deen and leave sharia and that I don't have to do this, I don't have to do that, this is jai, this is jai, I want to see him. Where is that person who told me interest is jai, I want to see him. That's what they will say, I want to see him. Allah. That's what they'll say. And then what will they do? Why? 
Naj alhuma tahta akdamina. We want to trample them under our feet. Liyakuna min al asfalin so that they can be even the lowest people in Jannah. So those who mislead others, Allah Akbar they are going to be in the lowest of the places in Jannah. And we shouldn't think the person today who you like because he lets you get out of this and gets out you out of that and he goes on TV and tells you that this is not sin, this is not sin, this is not sin and you start loving him. And then you will yourself want to trample him under your feet in the Akhirah when you see how he misled you. Alright? So may Allah give all of us hidayah, those who are misleading, those who are misled. Right? We have to follow deen. We have to follow deen. But it shows here, right, uh, that this is the ishara in Quran, that the, the people who are misled, they will be very loyal to those people in this world. That, you know, he's really hooked us up and given us a way out. But on the Day of Judgment, when they see how flawed that way out was, uh, then they will want to trample that person under their feet. in So look at this dua. They're not making dua to Allah Ta'ala lessen the fire for us. This dua is not stop it for a day. This was where are they? We can't find them in Jannah. Show them to us so we can trample them under our feet. Allah Akbar. This Quran, this Quran, again, I keep telling you, I convey the tone of Quran to you. Uh, you know, we can neither lessen Allah Ta'ala's intensity nor can be intense. We can neither in- make anything intense in Him. Allah is Allah and the Quran is the Quran. This is a very often recited set of ayat in Salah. Those of you praying Masajid, you probably almost memorize this, especially if you pray in the Lams Masjid, right? This is often recited. As far as indeed those who say our Rabb is Allah. And once you wake the Fawasada Karlina, Kihmara Rabb Allah, Thummastakamu, Basdaja. Yes, one day I should do this for you in Urdu, I was thinking. Uh, <laughs> Urdu has its own effect. Urdu is more spiritual language than English. Right? But here, especially the other, the internet people, they only know English. Right? So though they say that our Rabb is Allah, then they remain steadfast. They just give themselves up entirely to Allah. That's it. It's enough for them. If you not even whole Quran, they just have to be able to say this, Rabbunallah. That's it. When they've given up their hearts to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, thummastakamu, then they just become steadfast and they remain on that. Allah ta'ala becomes the be-all and end-all of their life. The fact that He is their Rabb is the be-all and end-all of their life. Therefore, the fact that they are His Abd becomes the be-all and end-all of their life. They become Ibadullah. They become Abd of that Rabb. So what happens to such people? Allah Malaika. And the angels will descend to them. These are angels who used to descend upon Anbiya and Mursaleen. The angels will depend upon such people. What? Allah Takhafu. So number one, so that they should not have any fear. Wala Tahzanu, nor should they grieve and have any sorrow. Some ulama said La Takhafu Khauf and Huzan. Khauf is the fear you have for an external threat. Husn is an inner grief, sorrow that you have. So they said, La Takhafu means number one, that they wouldn't have any fear from shaitan, the external enemy. They're now immune to the wasabas of shaitan. La Takhzunu, they don't have anything to grieve from their inner enemy, their nafs, means that the malaika come and they snuff out that person's shaitan and they grant them nafs mutmainna from the hukum of Allah SWT. Second meaning, it's even taken in a worldly way. Right, that they don't have to worry from external. So what does it mean external? Hasad. 
hasidin mutakabbirin they don't have to worry about the hasad of the hasidin the kibber of the mutakabbir of the mutakabbirin and huzn they're not going to have any sadness depression tension grief sorrow blood pressure hmm? yes this will happen and then as far as the akhirah وَأَبْشِرُوا بِالْجَنَّةِ الَّتِي كُنْتُمْ تُعَدُونَ And then they will give them glad tidings and make them and ask them to rejoice about that jannah, about those gardens of paradise, about uh, that you have been promised. نَحْنُ أُولِيَاءُكُمْ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا The angels will tell such mu'mineen that we are your awliya, we are your friends in the life of this world. وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ And we're going to be hanging out with you all the time in jannah for eternity. <laughs> yes? Allah Akbar, angels will come. We are your friends, your awliya, your protecting friends, your benefactors. Hmm? You tell me that person who has istiqamat on deen and has all as the malaika as his awliya in hayatul dunya, can any spell affect that person? Hmm? Can any jadu, tona, I don't even know what that word means, tona, I just know it's another word of jadu. It all comes again, jadu, tona, right? Can that do anything to somebody who has the malaika? As their awliya and malaika are saying, نَحْنُ أُولِيَاءُكُمْ فِي الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا You think some magician in Pakitati can break that? Hmm? Hmm? What are you thinking? This is Qur'an, Azim Shan. Come on your deen, have istiqamat on deen, you will have Rabb. He will send all of his malaikas, awliya to you. This is what Allah tells offering in Qur'an, this is an offer in Qur'an. The treasures of this world and the universe and everything that it contains, Allah tells offering it to mu'mineen in Qur'an. This is what you will have. And for all of the Akhirah, there can be many things that will tell you how to look at Allah Ta'ala. We'll tell you all the tricks in Akhirah. Hmm? We'll guide you. We've been here for eternity. right? We've been here for millennium, millions of years. That's another Adab. Adab al-Akhirah, taught by the Malaika. Ajeeb. وَلَكُمْ فِيهَا مَا تَشْتَهِي أَنفُسَكُمْ And you will have there in that Jannah each and every single thing that you want. وَلَكُمْ فِيهَا مَا تَنْدَعُونَ And whatever you ask for. نُزْلًا مِنْ غَفُورِ الرَّحِيمِ And this is a nuzl. You can say it's a hospitality from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is the all-forgiving, the all-merciful one. Alright? That I think all of you understand. Very important. Ayah of Qur'an al-Kareem. Right. And another reading that the awliya, so as opposed to what we're going to do tomorrow, until attaches a shaitan to the person who is rebellious, the, the, uh, the malaik or awliya of a person in this world, that they send their salam on that person in this world, they send their salawat on that person in this world. And because of their salam and salawat, the person's qalb becomes more inclined towards taqwa, to hayat, to good deeds, to virtue, to ibadah, so that actually are able to even boost, let's say, our taqwa in that sense. Then verses 33 onwards, also another very often recited passage of Qur'an al-Kareem. This is telling you about da'wah. So the previous surah we did surah al-Mu'min, right, that non-Nabi, that believer who did da'wah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again here Allah is going to mention about the da'wah. وَمَنْ أَحْسَنَ قَوْلًا مِمَّنْ دَعَى إِلَى اللَّهِ That who can be better and more beautiful and more noble and more virtuous in speech than that person who is calling and inviting towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when they call towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they're not empty callers. They're not non-practicing callers. They call and invite Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but they must on their own, وَأَمِلَ saliha. They must also do righteous acts and deeds, so they not have hypocrisy in their preaching and inviting. So they don't to have the barakah in their inviting. Right? 
And this is why, you know, this is why many times, you know, if, if people try to work on family, well, you know, if you don't yourself have amal, how are you going to work on the other person? The best thing you can do is bring your family to gatherings of dawah, gatherings of zikr, gatherings of ilm, right? Because we ourselves don't even have, we're still works in progress. We're still struggling to get those amal saleh ourselves. At least we can invite them to the inviters, connect them to the connectors who will connect them to Allah subhanahu wa But what they have to say first and foremost is I've submitted to Allah Ta'ala. I'm from the submitters, I'm from the Muslims, but to give you the flavor in English, because Muslimin isn't being used as deen of Islam, Muslimin is the act of Taslim, that I've completely submitted myself to Allah Ta'ala. So I have to do amal saleh and I have to do obedience and submission, and then the person can call to Allah Ta'ala. That's how they're speaking. Right? Again, I'm just quoting to you, it says, Innani I, I'm not trying to say I Kamal Deen, I'm translating the first person in the Quran for you. In the name of Muslimin, that I am from the Semitics. Walatastawil Hasanatu Walasiyah. That now Allah says indeed good can never be equal to evil. Right? These two can never be the same. Alright. And then you should resist or repel. What does it mean? That when you're doing the dawah, you will face some evil. You will face some evil. You will get some evil response. All the anbiya were responded and rebutted and repelled by the evil forces. So any mu'min who makes dawah on the path of the nabin is going to face the same thing. But the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you should resist and re- respond with that which is better. فَإِذَا الَّذِي بَيْنَكَ وَبَيْنَهُ أَدَاوَةٌ كَأَنَّهُ وَلِيٌّ حَمِيمٌ And that one, uh, the one between yourself and whom, the one between you and whom there was enmity, uh, there was enmity. If you respond with what is better, what will happen? That all of a sudden, instantly they will become your wali. They will be hameem. They will become like your intimate, close friend. So why? It's your husn. Your husn akhlaq. Right? Yes, it's not always going to work. For example, Sayyidina Musa went to Fir'aun and he did Asan. But Fir'aun did not become his friend. Right? But Allah Ta'ala is showing this is a potential in dawah. That when you invite someone to good and they react against you, they say something harsh, cynical, sarcastic. And many of our children have this problem with their parents, right? And, you know, no matter how much you complain about your parents and your parents complain about you, you know, I do get to see both sides. And some of you actually, you know, in fact, it's probably some point I have to give you a series on how to behave with your parents, especially in this sense that those young men and women who are coming closer to deen, how to behave with your parents, even when your parents are upset with your deen. Right? You, you misbehave. You, you fail to get what Allah Ta'ala wants you to get from this ayah. That if you were to respond with what is asan, which is virtuous and noble and patient, then you will find that that person who was your adu, who was your enemy, all of a sudden can become your wali and your friend, uh, your, your intimately close friend, <coughs> so this is also uh, very important here. Sunnah, uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala Quran is mentioning the Quranic method of dawah. وَمَا يُلَقَّهَا إِلَّا ذِينَ sabaru. So what does it mean that only the people who are patient, uh, only those who have sabr, which means really who, are, who have constant endurance and forbearance and perseverance, only those people will be inspired by this Quran. It can also mean that only those will be inspired by this 
Verse 34 will remember the inspiration to respond when faced with evil, to respond with what is better. Only the people of Sabr will remember to do that, will remain inspired enough to do that. وَمَا يُلَكَّهَا إِلَّا ذُو حَذٍ عَظِيمٍ And indeed only those who are great fortune, tremendously fortunate to be inspired by this. But again, like I said, this verse can mean the whole Qur'an al-Kareem, not just that surah. فَإِمَّا مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ If a, any evil suggestion, insinuation, whispering reaches you from shaitan, then what should you do? فَاسْتَئِذْ بِاللَّهِ Seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْأَلِيمِ Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all hearing and all knowing. So this is another thing. It's, it's all rupt here. The rupt, the relationship when above and when you engage in da'wah, shaitan may whisper something into you. Whether, oh you're great or you're wonderful or you need to be popular. Or shaitan may whisper something to you that okay, why don't you compromise this and compromise that and make it easier for them. There may be many ways that shaitan may whisper something in. So when that happens, right, when shaitan whispers into a person's heart or tries to insinuate, right, uh, then uh, a person should seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah ta'ala is all hearing and all knowing. Alright, then now from 37 onwards, mostly, there was one word coming that's new, mostly stuff that has come before. So, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ اللَّيْلَ وَالنَّهَارِ From the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the night and the day and the sun and the moon Yes, in fact, I should stick to English because these are the ayats of sajda. So when the sun and the moon, Allah says, don't do sajda to the sun, nor do sajda to the moon, but instead do sajda to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that being who created them, if indeed uh, it is, in kuntum iyahu ta'budun, if it is indeed Allah alone whom you worship. And if they become arrogant, and if others are too arrogant for this call to worship Allah ta'ala alone, then فَالَّذِينَ إِنْدَ رَبِّكَ then those who are close to your Rabb, they're doing the tasbih of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala night and day without tiring. What does that mean? That means that the angels are doing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ibadah. Alright. Then verse 39, and also from the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you see that the earth has been laid out bare uh, in front of you, or bare and has become bare of vegetation and crop means it's become barren. Then Allah says that we send down rain upon it, uh, and it stirs and it grows. Uh, it stirs and it grows, it flourishes and indeed the one who gave life to it uh, is the one who gives life to the dead indeed Allah subhanahu has power over all things so this notion has given life to the earth Al-Muhyi, he is the one who gives life Al-Muhyi Al-Mawta so this is literally, it's a metaphor that Allah is giving us it's literally he sends water down and revitalizes the soil and the earth and causes crops and vegetation and fruits to grow again but similarly it's a demonstration of Allah Ta'ala's power to do so to revive what is dead and then the Mashaikh, the Imams of Tazkiyah would take this ayah to explain that when a person's heart becomes barren it means it becomes bare of good deeds then that same Allah Subhanahu who can revive a dead earth, Allah Ta'ala, if He showers His Hidayah on our heart, He can make our heart fertile again and make our heart come up with good deeds again. In the Ladina Yulhiduna, so this was the new word that I was going to say, Yulhidun, it's Ilhad. Now what does this Ilhad mean? Uh, it means that those who despise, ayatina, who are averse to our signs, who despise our signs, لا يخفون علينا they are not hidden from us they are not concealed from us 
So who are the mulhidin? So <clears throat> there's one group, Sayyidina Abdullah bin Abbas, an interesting tafsir, uh, comment of his, he said in his tafsir of this verse, that the mulhideen are the ones who place the words of the Qur'an where they should not be. What does that mean? So in Arabic, if you want, they do they do hamal of ma'ani on the alfaz from which they don't exist. It means they attribute meanings to words which aren't there. They are known as mulhideen. Up to now, most of you thought mulhid was just atheist, right? Ilhad. So here, Sayyidina Abdullah bin Basra mentions that those who attribute meanings to Qur'an, words that aren't there. So it means they fabricate practices, fabricate beliefs, fabricate principles of deen that are not to be found in deen. Uh, and these are mulhideen. So they do dis- distortion or fabrication with Qur'an. And so Allah SWT says that those who do that with his ayat, they're not hidden from us. They're not hidden from us. Allah Ta'ala knows well who they are. That indeed is it the one who will be cast into the fire better than the one who arrives in a state of aman, who arrives safely and securely to Allah on the Day of Judgment. Do what you will. Indeed Allah Ta'ala sees each and everything that you do. So the suggestion is that that person who is going to twist and distort and fabricate meanings of Quran Al-Kareem, that Allah Ta'ala is going to cast them into the fire of Jahannam. So better that a person should be cautious and only speak of the Quran on the basis of ilm, then they will be able to come to Allah Ta'ala on the basis of aman. Either way, Allah Ta'ala is completely knowing and watching everything that you do. It means indeed those who disbelieve in the reminder, which means Quran, when that Quran cream came to them, indeed this book, the Quran cream is a mighty book indeed. Right? And for them, Lamajahum was when they received Quran, and for us it's whenever we read, recite, understand Quran. Now it's up to us whether we're going to follow and live that admonishment. And indeed it is a mighty book. Layatihil Batil that even no falsehood can even reach this mighty Quran. literally means from before it or from behind it, means it's impervious to any falsehood. Tanzilum min Hakim and Hamid, and it is a revelation revealed from an Allah Subhanahu wa Taala Hakim who is all wise, and Hamid who is the ultimate worthy of praise, who is praiseworthy. And Allah tells us nothing is told to you except that which has been told to the messengers who came before you. Indeed, your Rabb is the being of forgiveness. And He is also the being who is a painful punishment as well. Who can inflict any painful punishment as well. So first and foremost, Allah tells the being of maghfirah. And that is why the Quran has been sent to show people how to get that forgiveness of Allah Ta'ala. If we don't get the forgiveness from Allah then we should know that Allah Ta'ala is also the being who can inflict painful punishment. Okay, this is because some extremely foolish Arabs came up with this philosophy in response to Quran and Arabiya. They said, no, but this is exactly why we don't believe in Quran. Why has it been sent in the language of our language? It should be sent in some supernatural language. <laughs> oh, this is the response to that. I.e., not Arabic. It should, no, it should have not been sent in Arabic. Arabic is our language. It should have been sent in some supernatural, special, non-Arabic language. So here Allah Ta'ala is responding to them in Quran that... If we had made this Quran non-Arabic, means in a non-Arabic language, it means it wouldn't have 
satisfy them in any way, Lakalu then they would have said, Lola Fusilat Ayatuhu and remember this Fusilat that it's not clearly expounded. Why aren't its verses clear exp- ex- clearly exposited in terms of rhetoric and language and linguistic expression? They would have attested they would have protested against it. Right? Aajmiyu wa Arabi. Then huh? Non Arabic or Arabic it's not going to make uh, how can that happen? Uh, you can say it in some way, you know, uh, one way is say, Ajami wa Arabi, can the scripture be non Arab and the Nabi be Arabic? That is one way you can say it. It can also mean non Arabic or Arabic. Either way, it wouldn't have made a difference for you. But this real Ajamiyun wa Arabiyun, the Ajamiyun is referring to that hypothetical scripture, and Arabiyun means could the scripture be non Arabic when the Nabi is an Arab? That say that indeed for those who have Iman, the Qur'an al-Kareem is complete hidayah and it's a shifa, it's secure. And this is another term Allah uses many places, several times in Qur'an, shifa, it will cure. Now, it's not mentioned, doesn't mean cure your cuts and scrapes and bruises and cancers. Shifa means it cures what's in your, it cures the spiritual diseases. It cures the spiritual dickness. It's a hidayah that cures misguidance. It's a knowledge that cures ignorance. It's a sabr. It's a teacher of sabr that cures impatience. It's a teacher of hilm that intolerance that uh, cures intolerance. It, it's in that sense it is a cure. And the same thing that those who don't believe it, as if there's a deafness, a stop, a gap, or a wax, means something in their ears. And they are, um, it is also, it, it's a blindness for them as well. It's a deafness for them and a blindness for them because they don't believe in Quran. And it's as if they're being called from a faraway place. What does it mean that if somebody one mile away is calling you, you neither can you hear them nor can you see them. So for them, because they're so bayid from Quran, it's as if they're being called from a faraway place. That's the meaning of that Arabic expression. I'm going to keep you slightly, just for a few minutes, because we just have about seven, uh, eight, seven or eight eyes left. Well, and the first part we can do quickly because we've done the story of Musa. Look at that in Musa Kitab, and indeed we bestowed upon Sayyidina Musa from the book and the scripture. <coughs> indeed, there were disputes and differences that arose around us. So this is referring to the vast disputes amongst Jewish scholars about the Torah and then the Injil and it continues up to today all types of schisms and differences in Talmudic and Biblical scholarship and if it had not been for a decree and a sentence and decree that had proceeded from your Lord indeed there would have been a settlement that Allah Ta'ala would have made the settlement and the decision between them already but indeed know that they are undoubtedly in a great doubt and a disquieting, disconcerting doubt about the matter. means that Allah Ta'ala, His own decision is to settle this on the Day of Judgment and not settle that in this world. Second meaning is that Allah Ta'ala settled it by sending Qur'an and once Allah Ta'ala sets Qur'an then all disputes about various versions of Bible and Torah become irrelevant because now you have Qur'an al-Kareem. مَنْ عَمِلَ صَالِحًا فَلِنَفْسِهِ That whomsoever does any good deed act of virtue to the benefit of his own self وَمَنْ أَسَاءَ فَعَلَيْهَا And whoever commits an act of evil and vice it will be to his own detriment مَوَا رَبُّكَمْ بِذَ And indeed your Rabb can never ever in the slightest be unjust or oppressive to any of his creatures any of the mortals and slaves he can never treat his servants and slaves unjustly
The knowledge of Qiyamah, knowledge of the end of time is reserved only and only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It should be referred only and only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again, the response to the of question that they asked, when will it come? And you remember in uh, Umm al-Hadith, uh, about uh, Hadith Jibreel, that once Angel Jibreel, denied in Bukhari, Muslim Jibreel, asked the Prophet, when will the time come? The Prophet, that the one being asked, knows no more than the questioner. Saying, I don't know any more than Angel Jibreel, someone will come, means it will not. Allah Ta'ala, uh, the Prophet did not know. وَمَا تَخْرُجُ مِنْ ثَمَرَاتِ مِنْ أَكْمَامِهَا So, okay, and not a fruit comes forth, not a fruit comes forth or emerges from its covering or its skin. Every female, and then no female conceives or gives birth, except by the knowledge of Allah Subhanahu إِلَّا بِإِلْمِي Except by the knowledge of Allah Subhanahu That means all of these things are unknown that only Allah Subhanahu knows. وَيَوْمِ يُنَادِيهِمْ أَيْنَ شُرَكَاءِ And then on that day, Allah Ta'ala will ask them that where are those people, supposed partners that you ascribed and associated to me? قَالُوا They will say, uh, what will they say? They will first say, أَذَنَّاكَ مَا مِنَّا مِنْ شَهِيدٍ They will first say that we declare to you and we can, that none of us are witnesses. Means none of us can stand here and witness and testify that you have partners. What we testify to in this world, none of us can do that. Now, And then all of that which they used to pray and make dua to and come has vanished, has been lost to them, has forsaken them on that day. What they used to pray to from before Makablu, وَظَنُّوا مَالُهُمْ مِمْ مَحِيسِ And then they will realize, and they will realize that when all of their false gods have vanished and have forsaken them, they will realize that there is no escape whatsoever, there is no refuge for them whatsoever on that day of judgment. لَا يَسْأَمُ الْإِنسَانُ مِنْ دُعَاءِ الْخَيْرِ That human beings never tire to pray for anything that is good, but if misfortune afflicts them, it must come... Then they despair. They give up hope, and uh, they give up. They give up hope, and they, they completely lose all hope, and they end up in despair. Even even if we let them taste some mercy from us after the hardships that afflicted him, what will they say? They they will still say that no, I deserve this. This is my due. And that I don't think that the end of time is ever going to occur and the day of judgment will take place and that if I am ever returned to my Rabb then I will certainly have a good ending a happy ending for me there so that Allah Ta'ala says Allah says, No, that then certainly we will inform the disbelievers of what they did. And we will certainly make them taste from a terrible and intense punishment. So this is an important ayah that Allah Ta'ala here is mentioning in verse 4950 the mentality of certain people. That first of all, they always ask Allah Ta'ala for wealth and health and the khirat, means mal, property, the good materialistic things in this world. And as long as they have those things, they remain happy and positive with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. But if any material, financial, etc. difficulty afflicts them, then they completely lose all hope. Then they think that they're the only one who's suffering in this world and everything that's going to happen to them. Right? And obviously these are people who are not... Uh, steadfast on the teachings of sabr and on deen so then Allah Ta'ala says that okay if then Allah Ta'ala sends his mercy to them instead of conceding the fact that this is from the fuzzle and karam and bounty and favor of my rub instead uh, you know they attribute it to themselves that this is my due 
right? This is this is my earning. This is what I did. And when they say that Hadali, this is what I earned, this is what I deserve, this is my due, so they don't accept it from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then they go even further. And what do they say? They think that you know they don't think that Dave doesn't will take place. And they think if it does come take place, they think that they will have a better life in this one. Right? I mean it's Allah saying it's not true. This is another thing you find in very secular, non-practicing Muslims. That they think, either they think the Akhir is not going to come, or if it's going to happen, no problem, they'll end up in Jannah anyway. They even say in the Beta Meta Jannah Tijani. That's their first line, that's their opening line. Right? That, you know, I'm guaranteed I'm going to go to Jannah. Right? And you should never, nobody can think like that. There's nobody on earth who can, no Sahaba ever thought like that. Right? Uh, and in fact, what Allah is saying is that, no, uh, what do they mean by that? I have something better than this. It means they feel, put it this way. What this verse is saying is that these people think that whatever they, whatever good they have in this world is because they deserve it. Not because Allah Ta'ala gave it to them. And because they so convinced that they are deserving of good, they think, well, if I end up on the Day of Judgment, because I am so deserving of good, definitely I will end up in Jannah. So this is the wrong feeling. This is what Allah Ta'ala is saying. This is the wrong way to think. And Allah is saying that He will certainly inform them of all the sins that they did. Allah was mean about everything they did. Show them that you weren't good. You did this and you did this. You didn't pray. You took interest. You did this. You did this. You did this. You did this. And Allah Taala will make them taste from His punishment. So then Allah Taala says, "Ida an amna alad insan." When we send our inamat, our favors and blessings on insan, aalada that that insan turns away from us, turns away from Allah Subhanahu Taala. When aab bijanibi, and then he he becomes averse to Allah Taala and turns away and becomes partial, withdraws away in partiality, with a masahu sharru, and then when a hardship afflicts him, right, uh, interestingly, well, <coughs> then he offers long and lengthy prayers, becomes very prayerful. So this is another psychology of humanity is showing, right? That they only turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah sends comfort. It's a second mistake that people make. When Allah sends comfort on them, they turn away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then when difficulty afflicts them, only then do they turn towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So last three ayahs in the end of the surah, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? So just, like he be- just like he began the surah with mention of Quran as being fusilah, clear, expository of the truth. Again here, Allah and they mentioned Quran many times throughout the surah. Again, Allah Ta'ala is going to end on the content of Quran. Kul ara'aytum in kana min indillah. That uh, they should say to them, Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that do you see that if it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if the Quran is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, thumma kafartum bihi, and then you deny it and then you reject it, man adhallu mimman huwa fi shikaqim ba'id, who can be further astray than someone who fi shikaqim ba'id can mean number one, that they've cut themselves off and they've alienated themselves. Shikaqim ba'id can also mean that they have put themselves in a deep, distant opposition. So Allah Ta'ala says, سُنُرِيهُمْ آيَاتِنَا فِي الْأَفَاقِ فِي الْأَفَاقِ And that we will show them our signs throughout the horizons of the earth. وَفِي أَنفُسِهِمْ And in their own selves حَتَّى يَتَبَيَّنَ لَهُمْ أَنَّهُ الْحَقِ Until it becomes clear to them that indeed then certainly the Qur'an al-Kareem is haq, is truth. أَوَلَمْ يَكْفِي بِرَبِّكَ أَنَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ شَهِيدٍ And it's not sufficient for you that your Rabb is witness to over each and everything. أَلَا إِنَّهُمْ فِي مِرْيَةٍ مِنْ لِقَاءِ رَبِّهِمْ But indeed, behold, they are in doubt about the meeting with their Rabb. 
Allah, indeed they should know, إِنَّهُ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ مُحِيطٍ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encompasses every single thing. It means Allah Ta'ala's knowledge and His will and His might and His power encompasses each and every single thing. So one thing that was mentioned here, uh, and I just comment on this one part, is that سُنُورِيهُمْ آيَاتِنَا فِي الْآثَاقِ وَفِي أَنفُسِهِمْ حَتَّى يَتَبَيَّنَ لَهُمْ أَنَّهُ الْحَقِّ so here Allah Ta'ala is saying is that okay when the Quran is come and somebody is distant from it one way Allah Ta'ala sends Hidayah on such a person Allah Ta'ala will show him and this is what again our Mashayikh have called the Sayyidi Afaqi, Sayyidi Unfusi there will be signs on the horizons in the physical world in natural creation that can inspire him, can trigger her to realize that there is one true Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala and fi anfusihim they will be guided by feeling emotions and feelings inside themselves and that those emotions and feelings of yearning for an Allah needing Allah recognizing truth of Allah or feeling of that the Quran is the truth when they hear it they will be given that until yatabayyana lahum annahul haqq until they know that it is true once it is true then Allah Ta'ala has established his shahada on us then a person will then choose to believe or disbelieve but Allah Ta'ala will bring a mu'min who engages Quran up to that level that they will have yaqeen that it's haq and then whether they practice it or not Allah Ta'ala will be shaheed on that and indeed Allah Ta'ala's knowledge and awareness encompasses each and everything wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Subhanallah bin Allah Allahu Muhammad Allah Ali Sidna Muhammad wa Mubarak wa Sallam Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Kareem Allah has perceived the haqq of Quran Let us see every single sign and accept what you have shown us Let us understand every verse and accept what you have revealed to us Ya Rabbi Kareem grant us the shifa of the Quran Grant us the nur of Quran Grant us the hidayah of Quran Grant us the furqan of Quran Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Kareem grant us all the hidayah of deen that is in Quran, every aspect of deen, every aspect of sunnah every aspect of sidq, every aspect of ilm, every aspect of tazkiyah that Allah Ta'ala has guided us towards in Quran, let us be guided towards it, Ya Allah, let us be people who Ya Rabbi Kareem make tawbah to you make true tawbah to you let us be people who do ittibah the sabil, who follow that path that leads us to you Allah, we too want the malaika and the arsh to make dua for us, we too want the malaika to be our awliya and this world and the next Yalla make us amongst those mu'mineen grant us such sifat of those mu'mineen who get the malaika the awliya Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Kareem Yalla we also want to be amongst those people who say Rabbunallah that Ya Allah you Allah you are our Rabb you and you alone are our master our lord our creator Yalla you and you alone have nourished us and provided for us and Yalla we want to be only and only your ibad your servants and slaves Ya Allah, grant us that fastaqamu, grant us istiqamat on this, Ya Allah. Make us steadfast and persevere on this, Ya Allah. Let nothing in this world take us away from the fact that you are our Rabb and we are your Rabb. Annahnu ibaduka, Ya Allah. Wa anta Rabbuna, Ya Allah. Fastaqim, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we ask that you grant us istiqamat on our deen. Wa thabbit aqdamana, wa nawwir sudurana, wa shrah sudurana, wa nawwir qudubana. Ya Allah, Ya Rahman. Ya Rahman Rahimeen Ya Al-Aziz Al-Jimbar Ya Al-Afu Al-Kareem Rabbana Takabba Minna Innaka Anta Al-Sameel Aleem Watubu Alayna Innaka Anta Tawab Rahim Wa Sallallahu Ta'ala Ala Habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad Wa Ala Alihi Wa
صاحبہ اجمائین برحمتک یا رحم الرحمین